On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick return after a week of silence, so there's a great chance they'll have some dumb stuff to talk about today. They'll riff on the idea of rebooting the original Star Wars films and characters like Luke Skywalker. They'll also talk about Sean Levi's Star Wars film and if it'll include Kylo Ren. They may even get to the first part of their speculation special for what may happen in a second season of the Ahsoka series. And of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of Top Star Wars Fan Artist Features. Punch it, Chewie. Welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show. Yeah, we're still here. We didn't give up yet, okay? We're back. Check me out. Look at those lights. I got my hat on like a nickel dick. But that just means it's Tuesday and it's time for the SWTS. My camera's flicking in and out. Who cares, right, Nick? Who gives a (laughs) shit anymore? But hey, no, it's good to be back. Good to see some of you in the live stream chat. As always, if you want to come play with us, uh, well, it used to be Tuesdays, sometimes it's Wednesdays, all the times it's 5p east on youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, you know, so so come check us out. I gotta do something. Let me quit the camera hub. Maybe that's why this thing's freaking out. Uh, the reason <laughs> I say that is because I, I, I'm kind of looking at the schedule ahead, and uh, listen, it's gonna be a slog for young Nick and I, okay? We all knew this. Um, this usually happens after the release of a big Star Wars property. There is a little bit of a lull period. The problem this time, my friends, is we still have Hollywood on strike, which means a lot of the stuff we were hoping to either be watching or talking about now is on pause. Yep. For the time being, I believe, Nick, they were supposed to talk again today or at least this week. 24th was the last I heard for sure. Okay, well, hell, that's today. I know that's today because it's my mother's birthday and my little niece's birthday. So that's the only reason I have any significance for the 24th of October. But yeah, you're right. They're supposed to be meeting with some of the studio execs. I know Big Bobby Dick's in there. Uh, I don't know about the other ones, but hopefully something gets done. Not so much for the, the, the studios and the uber-rich actors, but the poor motherfuckers who have been essentially uh, living off of the, the, the union fees they've been putting in and probably Good Samaritans since midsummer. So we need that to end, and, and until that ends, we're not getting shit. I don't know. I, I know Nick's not a huge movie buff these days, but did you see the news? MI, MI8 is now being delayed uh, this was supposed to be the second part of MI7. Like, MI7 yep. literally ends in a cliffhanger, s- expecting a part two. That part two is now not going to come next year because of the strike. They never got yeah. to finish the film because they had the break for the actors to promote part one. So, and that's that's everywhere. That's not just Tom Cruise. That's going to be Disney, Lucasfilm. I mean, I think the, the announcement was Marvel Secret Wars is now 2027. Like... Uh, so things are getting delayed left and right. Obviously, yeah, yeah, this like, is affecting Star Wars as well. So. I mean, the 2024 movie slate 
whatever you want to call it, is in jeopardy of being blown up. And they've already moved some stuff from 23 into 24. You know, Dune, we should be seeing Dune like tomorrow. Yeah. Like Dune 2, we should be fucking seeing in a few weeks. If not, it, it should have already been out in theaters. And I'm not blaming the actors. It's the fucking rich white people running the fucking studios. Okay? So that, that's not what we're here yeah. for. I think there was a number that just came out that, that streaming, like the, the total revenue from streaming services, like all, all the big ones, was like $700 billion. Oh, yeah, but we, we can't and, pay and these motherfuckers. Yeah, and the actors were like, their, their stance at the negotiating, uh, negotiating table initially was 2%. We just want 2%. Yeah. To, and it's not like 2% that's going to be like, well, George Clooney and Tom Cruise get like a majority of that 2%. That's 2% to share amongst everybody that's in SAG-AFTRA. That's like for the whole, you know, everybody who's got their card. And these... Uh, these streaming people are like, oh, no, that's too much. 2%. Like, yeah. that, well, it's Bob's crazy. like, what? I need a $65 million bonus next year for sitting on my fat ass up here in the C-suite. Come on, Nick. What do you mean, 2%? I'll yeah, give you man. half. It's, it's pretty crazy that this is still going on. I mean, it's, even if you look at the news, you know, it's not necessarily a talking point for the negotiations, but George Clooney is like, hey, man, like, it, to to help assuage the wage differences and in in the issues that that the you know the the lower paid actors are having, why don't we make it to where the people who are and this is a talking point for the American taxpayers too. Why don't we make it to where the people who make the most money in Hollywood pay higher SAG fees? It's like whoa, look at that. That makes sense too. Crazy. It seems like there's there's a lot of good thinking and good talking out there from the actor side of things, but not a lot of good faith from the studio. Yeah. So, I mean, how we circle this back into Star Wars time is we're we're always going to have time for it. I just don't know how much Star Wars we're going to be talking about. Like Nick and I, we we may have to start digging into the archives and giving ourselves assignments over these next few months. That's why, you know, this week we're going to try a little special topic. Part one of Ahsoka season two, kind of what we what we need to happen, what we think is going to happen. And and that's really what we're going to have to deal with, because. The other problem, especially with a show like ours, which typically reacts to current events of Star Wars and then obviously the bread and butter where we've made our tens of fans in our, you know, our live action series breakdowns. But we can't even really react to news anymore, Nick, because you can't make news in Hollywood if Hollywood ain't working. So, (laughs) I mean, we, we, we got a few little nuggets to chew on today before we get to our Ahsoka special topic, but... That, that's kind of the landscape, so I, I don't know. Like I said, we might have to start asking you assholes what you may want us to talk about. Is there a particular subject from Star Wars, be it the prequel, the OT, the ST, the animated wing, the novels that Nick may or may not have read? <laughs> y- you know, so uh, think about that. You live streamers, if there's things you, you would like us to kind of chew on. Um, special topic wise things you would like to gain our insights on whether they're stupid or not let us know you know maybe it's time to do another ama not that we really have a fan base to to do one of those but uh what we should start doing is just channel anything we want star wars fans to see and react to through the beyond dune sea podcast <laughs> and the reason I say that is because, you know, they are new. They're putting out some killer content. I'm still a fan, even though it hurts me every day to know that people don't love us the same. But that's our fault, not their fault. 
But the the difference between them and us, Nick, is they started and the algo was like, we speak your name, right? Peace be with you. Literally, they get nothing but focused Star Wars fanboys and nuts, which drives their algorithm and drives their content. So kick ass for them. Point is, our content goes to like the wall or just <laughs> it, it just dies. Like we hit post and the Internet's like, yeah, fuck it. No one cares. So if we start funneling it through their socials, maybe we'll start getting some of that dedicated Star Wars fandom looking at our content, our content, not condoms. I don't have any of those anymore. <laughs> I don't really need them. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, listen, I, I talk about them every week. They, they do these fucking bits to introduce their shows. I think they're brilliant. Uh, it, it just, I, I wish we could have a little bit more of a targeted audience like they have captured. So kudos to them. Fuck us. As always, we kind of like it that way though. Right, Nick? That's just, that's how we are. We are who we are. <laughs> so anyways, young Nick is back. Uh, I, I kind of failed in pop culture over the past two weeks since Nick has been gone. Uh, to be a little bit of honesty for everyone, uh, there's a reason we didn't have a show last week outside of Nick being gone. Something in my personal life blew up. It was bad. My fault, as I was explaining to Nick, I kind of felt like you do when you're a kid and you make a mistake and you're like, fuck, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I could take all this shit back. And it's like, damn, you're 43, still having moments like that, bro. And it just fucked me up. All right. It was a bad week last week. Getting there. Uh, but I, just, I, I made a, a pretty egregious air in life. Okay. So kind of kind of just tuned out a bit. And, and let's be real. I mean, mental health wise, I wasn't in a good place anyways because of this fucking arm in August and this, that and the other thing. So it was like a double double depression punch last week. Felt a little sorry for myself and just could not get up for Star Wars time. That was the first day in my life. I was like, you know what? There isn't time for Star Wars time this week, so <laughs> that's why we're out, and there's just nothing to talk about, but hey, we're here. Uh, be mad. I have not played Spider-Man 2. I know Nick has not either because he hates Marvel, and he just got back from a pretty kick-ass trip. Uh, he made his first foray into the Hawaiian Islands. Yes. You know, the, the uh, 50th state or whatever. Is that 50 state or 49? 50th. Yeah, fiftieth yeah, state, and it was it, it, we we actually like we were talking about it, like man, Hawaii didn't become a state until nineteen fifty nine. Like that's crazy to think about. That's so recently. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I wouldn't say they're big fans of being a state, but if if you've never been there, as I was trying to explain to young Nick before he left, it. I know people have probably been to like these islands, that island, this country, the Bahama this, the Bahama that. It just, I don't know. It, it is paradise. It is. It's a fucking paradise. And as part of the United States, even though it's not continental United States, they are still a part of us. It's just a great place to be. Uh, I've been to only to Oahu and uh, Hawaii, the big island itself. Nick just got back from Oahu. Uh, so, uh, you know, we weren't, we were really doing our pop culture homework, Nick, but anything you'd like to share from your week away from the SWTS that the fans may want to key in on. Yeah. I mean, the, the one piece of pop culture I can give you, um, is 
the Goosebumps series on Disney Plus. So I don't know how many uh, people out there used to watch the old Goosebumps series from like the early 90s or read the Goosebumps books from that time period. I know that was like very popular when I was a kid um, and I'm in my mid 30s now. But the new Goosebumps series on Disney Plus is actually very well made. It's made in a very interesting way to where it's not like an anthology series like it was before. And now it is kind of a, 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 uh, a coherent like, uh, narrative series that kind of weaves in all of the different tales from goosebumps into like a proper series format. So if you, so it's more star Wars than star Trek is what you're saying. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely more star Wars than star Trek. And they've done a really good job of like, incorporating a lot of these key storylines like you know like night of the living dummy and you know uh say cheese and die and all of these these goosebump books that you read as a kid and they take those those storylines and those story essences and then put those into an actual like full series narrative format and and it's very well done so if you're a fan of the goosebumps books or were when you were a kid or the goosebumps series when you were a kid i would definitely recommend checking out um the goose the new goosebumps series on disney plus i believe it's also on hulu as well so that's the one piece of of pop culture i can give you and then other than that yeah i mean i just i had a uh, an amazing time just kind of exploring oahu seeing the different sites around there uh and then like truly just relaxing in a uh paradise like uh place uh, for the first time in a while so yeah, it was great did you guys did you guys swim at all like just to experience how fucking legit those currents are like you know some of the beaches at Hawaii and not not necessarily around Waikiki but if you go to the North Shore Waimea Bay Three Rocks Bonsai I mean they, they pretty much have signs like if you don't know how to swim you're probably gonna die yeah so I I think that a lot of the beaches are were closed when we were there. Because of um, how dangerous it was. Yeah, because yeah. of the, <laughs> the... That makes sense. The swells and stuff. So, like, when we went out to Waimea Bay, like, there was nobody on the beach. And the only, like, I figured, I was like, okay, well, like, there's going to be big waves. We, like, saw the news report before, and it was like big waves were coming. Um, So, we went out to Pipeline Beach, which is, like, the big surfing beach on Oahu, and we caught some surfers and uh, saw some, you know, some really cool stuff there. But for like the general beaches, I think they were closed. The one that was attached to our resort actually has like a little lagoon that comes into it from the Pacific Ocean. So you don't, you didn't have to worry too much about the currents or anything like that. And I, I swam in that um, every day that we were at the resort and it was, it was incredible. Like the, the the water was like the perfect temperature the, clear, the sal- clean yeah, cl- clear the salinity in the water allows you to float super easily as well and um yeah i just like w- i would sit out there for like hours just in See, in the Pacific you can Ocean i can't float like i li- literally i used to be fat too like i had i should be buoyant but i've never i always sink like a fucking rock so if i ever get out there again i might need to try that Anytime I swam out in Hawaii, I just I felt like I was gonna die. So it was fun, 
but uh, if you're not a good swimmer, you got to watch out for those tides. I mean, that that is an undertow. Like if you've been, oh yeah, I've been to OBX or Nags Head. That's a rough under. No, it's not even close. Like why May Bay in particular? You catch that on a good day. I don't care if you can squat 600 pounds. It's sucking you out into the ocean, and you're gonna die. All right, but it's fun. Hawaii kicks <laughs> ass. I would love to live there. It's super expensive to live there. I hope to get out at least one more time before I die. So I'm glad you had fun. Uh, it's it's kind of a bitch to get there, but it, it kind of makes it well worth it the moment you get out of your plane and you're like, oh shit, look at this. It really, it looks even better than the pictures and the videos when you're there. It's like, shit, this is, this is why we should celebrate the planet, nature, and life, people. All right. Now, I, I haven't done much. Like, uh, BMAD's in here, uh, Spider-Man 2. I, I want to play it. I'm trying to, I tried to get it for free. That failed. So that's why I'm not playing it right now. Uh, I do agree. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Loki Season 2 is rough. And I was a, I was a big fan of, of Loki. I thought it was the best in terms of just pure storytelling, cinematography, you, you name it. But Season 2, I think I'm only two episodes in. And, and you're just, you, Nick, I'm just like... Wow. Why, why are we watching this again? Like what what exactly is happening? What's the cohesive tale? Why should I care? You know what I mean? Uh so that that's kind of a bummer too. But yeah, I mean pop culture is just kind of down across the board and and there's a reason for that. I mean th- these strikes as we told you back in the spring aren't good for entertainment like it's, it's literally not good for entertainment we are getting perilously close to having only reality tv or maybe old seasons of shows you want to rewatch, or or maybe hey that show that that dude told me three years ago i think i'm finally ready to watch it but i mean that that's where we're at hopefully they get this shit figured out so we can start talking about skeleton crew and or season two the acolyte you know all this stuff we we've kind of forgot because no one has been allowed to discuss them now for shit close to six months. And uh, it's amazing we're still getting the Marvel movie and Aquaman this year. I just think the studios are like, you know what? Money-wise, we, we got to try to salvage something. But new movies are drying up. TV shows are drying up. It's no good. And, yeah. and the new shows coming out are just are like, eh. Like Loki, I was really expecting to be completely engaged it's more like, all right, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. I mean, I, like you said earlier, like I've completely disconnected from Marvel. Like I just, I don't think that they had an idea of what they wanted to do after the, after Endgame. Like, I don't think that they even had a clue where they were going because if they did, we would have seen some sort of like trail from it. And I think that would really fucked all that up was, uh, like obviously Chadwick Boseman's passing was huge in terms of just like him as a person and also his effect on, on the Marvel cinematic universe moving yep. forward. Carrie Fisher he, right there. Same thing. Yeah. It's, it's very similar types of, of uh, issues that, that popped up from there. Cause he was going to be the tentpole for that, for, for the MCU moving forward. Um, but also like they didn't adjust from it. Well, like they didn't do anything to kind of like to write the ship and they just ended up telling a bunch of stories that, had no bearance on anything or in there, what they weren't working towards anything in the future from what I've seen in the news, just like, uh, you know, stuff that's popping up here and there. And who knows if it's true? Like apparently they're going to like do a soft reboot for the MCU with secret wars. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then, you know, like, I mean, who knows if there's any sort of uh, truth to that, but... It's um, wild, man, because there was so much care and attention put into, what, the first almost 30 fucking movies? Yeah. Like, uh, where where do you go wrong? I mean, did Feige just get bored? Did someone take power away? I, I don't know. It's, it's like, how do you, how did that train derail? But I guess all good things can't last too long. But it, that is, that is curious. Like, Star Wars, we kind of get. Star Wars was never... At least when Disney bought it, it was never initially mapped out like it was going to be some interconnected MCU. It was always, we're going to have the Skywalker saga. We're going to have our Star Wars story movies. That's it. That that was the initial plan. Not in the fuck TV. TV was never in the fucking plan. TV became the plan after Iger was like, oh shit, we didn't make a trail on this movie. We're failures. Let's cancel everything. Fucking fire everybody. No more movies. We're going to TV. We have a plan there, and now let's just do a lot of TV with not a plan. Shit's not connected. Like, you know, two weeks ago, Nick and I were saying, it, we, we could have made this Mandoverse a lot more fluid, especially for the uh, casual dopes out there, if they just begged, borrowed, and steal from Feige and did the fucking stinger. Like, how how hard would that have been? And they, they did it once in the Mandalorian for the book of Boba Fett. And that worked perfectly to establish this is in the same universe. This is why this is happening. They're connected. Haven't done it since, right, Nick? Nothing tying Ahsoka to Mando. Nothing tying Ahsoka to Skeleton Crew. Uh, Nothing tying Andor. I mean, I guess Andor had its little stinger to tie its own self into its own fucking movie. Yeah. But there's none of this. And it's like, well... They're going to have to start doing it if Dave truly is working towards a Mandoverse crossover endgame flick because, and that's some of the shit we may talk about today, that's some of the clips we've been putting out. We might not have done a show last week, but we talk so fucking long the weeks we do do a show, I was able to put out 12 days worth of clips. Like, I even put out, I put out the last clip from our fodder today. It was ranked in the 70s virility, but you never know. Uh, Nick definitely has more of a magic touch with that. Uh, but it worked out. After a while, Nick, they started to pop here and there. But I did identify we can get almost two weeks worth of content out of a single gas bag show if if need be. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that the the main issue right now, I mean, you saw it in in not only like people's comments on social media and stuff, but like from from quote unquote news outlets like these these reporting outlets for entertainment shows are saying we're saying that well Ahsoka is set right after you know ROTJ and all this like not even having a clear understanding of of the timeline and like where where it takes place and when that is like the the primary topic of conversation around the first couple to few weeks of your show is like people literally can't even connect it to the proper place in the timeline then yeah what you're trying to work for or towards just gets completely thrown in, like thrown out of whack. So I think that they do need to do a better job of like establishing through either stingers or something else. Like we mentioned, like established that these are all interconnected and, and they're all happening within X amount of time of each other or like how the characters in this show right. are related to the characters in this show. And, and well, that's and then really Nick, where they dropped the ball. You've got the father of this universe before Mando season three comes out, him and Han on the timeline himself. You know, he's like, well, there's this and then there's that. And then there's two years and then there's Grogu and Luke and two years and that. 
yeah, two years. Fuck it. Two years is, is how long we've, we've been away. It's like, okay. All right. I mean, remember, you're the guy creating this shit, John. You can just say X years done. Like, just, just be decisive with this shit. Because when you leave anything open in Star Wars universe, people like myself, Nick, other hardcore fanboys out there, you, you start to spin your wheels like, well, well what this? What about that? Uh, but at least we are... We have enough Star Wars IQ that we could identify that Ahsoka was not taking place after A New Hope. Like some of the fucking idiots out there that like Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just like, blah, are you serious? Uh, BMAD's got a good one. I actually think the data came out. How well did Ahsoka do for viewers? Uh, not well. Uh, <laughs> just actually, I don't have Star Wars leaks pulled up, Nick, but if you could pull up Star Wars Reddit leaks... You're, you'll find like the latest round of, of Nielsen's and it's, I don't even think it ended in top 10. Uh, so be mad in anyone. I, I does, what does that mean for Ahsoka season two? I really don't know. I, I just, because yeah. we've never been able to figure out with our two little brains, how a, a Bob Iger, ju- you know, decides if a property is successful or not and warrants more. Yeah. Is it total time? Is it ranking, comparing against like shows? How do you actually gauge revenue gained or lost when you launch a new show on streaming? Uh, so who the fuck knows? But I, I can tell you, as we've been saying, it, it, it underperformed. It, it underperformed Mandalorian across the board. Um, I, I think it's right around Andor or slightly above Andor numbers. So in the toilet. Yeah, it's, it's better than Andor. Um, worse by a significant margin than than Book of Boba Fett, um, and uh, and and worse than Kenobi, but like Kenobi's kind of a high watermark for the for the newer stuff, you know, like and um, and and Book had the had the lead in right, it had the fucking yeah, stinger, yeah. and uh, of course the the brand identity of a legacy character in Boba. Yeah, so um, but it was essentially like of those three series, like um, Ahsoka ranked. Um, just over Andor, under Book of Boba Fett, um, you know it, it's it's not it's it's middling. I don't know how else to say it. it's like it's like middling numbers. It's not like the worst. Obviously, Andor was the worst. Um, Andor um, was the worst by by a lot. But um, yeah, Ahsoka wasn't wasn't where it should have been given what it was setting up. You know, like the introduction of the titular villain for this whole crossover, <laughs> we assume. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously reintroducing characters from Rebels and live action and, and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, we, they would have really liked to see uh, these numbers be much closer to, like, you know, Book of Boba Fett numbers, and, uh, Kenobi numbers, At stuff least. like that. So, so Nick, w- with hindsight here... Did they did they kind of set this up for a bit of failure by completely glossing over both Ahsoka and Sabine in the Mandalorian season three? I think that there there was an opportunity to bring in Sabine clearly like that. You know, there was too much crossover that was missed with Sabine in the Mandalorians like the Like we we would have assumed going into the Mandalorian season three that like Sabine could be involved in, in many different ways. Oh, whether, oh we did. It was on yeah. our wish list and predictions for that so, series. So, <laughs> so um, I do think that they, that they kind of dropped the ball there. 
I mean, they did. We did have a bit of a crossover with Ahsoka in season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, but, but also, that, that was years ago. Like, yeah. it, like our life, we're talking years ago at this point. So, like the 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 casuals, they they're not going to remember those connections. Yeah. So I I do think that they really dropped the ball in terms of like setting up what is to come, and that's kind of what we've we've yeah, been saying this whole time. Is just like I don't know how you miss that. Like, I, I just don't understand how you miss the opportunity that is so clearly in front of you. I mean, we even laid it out just like, you know, narrative wise, you know, there's a strong connection between Ahsoka and the Mandalorians because of the siege of Mandalore season seven of Clone Wars. And you've seen all that. She has a connection to these people, especially to book tan, uh, you know, th- the obvious connection with Sabine and the Mandalorians and, and how she could have been used in a way to almost help bring some sort of clarity to the dark saber situation because she once held the dark saber and there was all of this bullshit around the dark saber. And then you don't bring in the one person who held it right before Bo-Katan did. Didn't, didn't even broach that subject. Yeah. I mean, dude, listen to how simple it could have been too. I'm not saying Ahsoka and Sabine should have had a, a starring role or even a big cameo. It, it could have been as simple as what we got in, like Nick said, in season two of the Mandalorian, when Din finds Bo, wants the information, Bo's like, nah, you gotta, you know, do a job for me and I'll give it to you. Does the job. And then she's like, oh yeah, hey, I know a Jedi, her name's Ahsoka. It, it could have been something very similar to where Bo-Katan is trying to muster up some of her Mandalorian friends, can't find Sabine because Sabine, you know, she feels bad. She's hiding because of the purge, her shit with Ahsoka. Who does Bo-Katan ring up? Hey, Ahsoka baby. Come on, I know some shit went down between you and Sabine, but could really use her right now. We're headed back to Mandalore. I know she's got some problems there, knowing what happened to her family, but what do you think? Well, I can't even talk to her, so uh, you're fucked. Goodbye. I mean, even something like that at least starts to set up some narrative threads for Ahsoka. Like, Ahsoka and Sabine were working together, but now they're separated. Why? Well, because... They've got their issues training and what happened on Mandalore. Ahsoka doesn't trust training someone that just had a tragedy befell them like that. So it, it didn't even have to be something in our face, just like a stinger does. Sometimes one, two minutes just lays that groundwork that can then be built upon in a subsequent season or series. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, I, I'm kind of looking at the like the overall watched minutes for like the I, I'm looking at it now for for most of the series. And like what, what was a concerning thing is the number of minutes that the initial episode, like the, the first drop uh, was, which I get, you know, like kind of skews it because you have multiple episodes dropping at once. But then you saw like consecutive weeks of fall off. Um, yeah, so the opening that, season didn't didn't hook casuals at all. It just, yeah, so like, like yeah, fuck it. So you know, like the this the what is essentially the third episode has four hundred and eighty seven million minutes watched. The fourth episode goes to four fifty nine, so that's a significant drop off. Then it jumps back up to five seventy seven when Thrawn is introduced, but then it drops back down for the for the finale. That, that was all Nick's Nick's fandom. Yeah. Like, fuck this Thrawn <laughs> asshole. <laughs> they, they drop back down to five. It's like Nick, Nick dropping memes. He dropped the meme. I, I saw it. It was perfect. Or maybe he and didn't it, share it. Someone shared our Discord, but it was like Oh I it was, was the was four a, phases of Thrawn, yeah, right? Yeah, a, OG Legends Thrawn. He's playing 4D chess. 
Then it, it's uh, with the next new, Thrawn. New, yeah, new yeah, he's playing chess. Thrawn. Rebel yeah. Thrawn's playing checkers. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Ahsoka Thrawn's playing tic-tac-toe. <laughs> tic-tac-toe, and he's like doing it the wrong way. So, I mean, like, look, uh, I, I'm not trying to kill anybody's vibes out there, but it's uh, all I'm saying is I didn't make that meme. I just found it. And just well, to like, it is funny though. I mean, it, hey, it is the truth, but it's like it's okay. It's a tic tac toe thrawn is all right with me. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> and just to put into context, like, oh well, five hundred million minutes still seems good. I mean, if we're talking about like interconnected universes, Mandoverse has the Mandoverse is averaging about. 800 million minutes per episode and there are multiple episodes that are over a billion minutes watched um so like you are seeing a significant amount of fall off and and for context for kenobi kenobi's lowest amount of minutes watched was 682 million and the lowest number, the highest number well, of minutes cheated. watched. They, they had Hayden and you <laughs> in had their Hayden show. And Ewan. I mean, Ahsoka yeah. only had Hayden for a little bit. And, and yeah, the finale for Ahsoka only had 570 million minutes watched. So it's like there, there is, a, there is a, a decline just in terms of total viewership. I mean, what's going to be interesting is uh, like when, when Mandalorian season four launches, what does the, the, the viewership numbers look like for that? Because oh, it's, it's going to take a hit because of season three. I mean, it's just there, there are already people jumping ship on season three. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could see a, like a, a decline in viewership um, for season Shit's three. Shit's woke now, sure. man. Bo-Katan's the so, leader. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I do think that, you know, we're, we're about to get into a a discussion here about like, well, what does the future of star Wars look like? Does that, is it, is it a reboot? Is it whatever, blah, blah, blah. But w- right, what yeah. I do think needs to happen, at least on the TV side of things is there really needs to be some sort of like clear communication between series that are interconnected, that they are interconnected. The, because dude, the best it, part is it's John and Dave. Like yeah, they're no, it's the like ones you can't, fucking doing it. Like you can't blame anybody else. Like people always like to say, well, it's Kathleen Kennedy's fault or it's, it's Bob Iger's fault or whatever. It's like the people that are running the ship for the Mandoverse are John and Dave. And like, honestly, they, they have not done a good job because if you're a casual viewer of Star Wars, just think about like the, the series release cadence. Like you have, if you're watching everything, you have Mandalorian out, you have Andor out, you have Obi-Wan Kenobi out, you have Bad Batch out, you have Book of Boba Fett out, you have Ahsoka out. How are you supposed to know as a viewer if you're not like a hardcore Star Wars fan or a Star Wars nerd like we are, like which of those series are connected to each other? It's not like they're subtitled. Like if it was the Mandalorian Ahsoka or the Mandalorian Book of Boba Fett, easier to tell. But like, if you're just watching it as a Star Wars, like a general Star Wars fan, you're like, man, Andor's cool. How does this connect to, to Mandalorian? Well, it's not connected. Oh, well, Book of Boba Fett's cool. Is that connected to the Mandalorian? It's like, yeah, that one is. Well, what about sort Kenobi? Of. <laughs> it's, it's like, that one's kind of connected, but, you know, it's it's an offshoot. That one's more connected to Andor, if you think about it. Yeah, and it, yeah you're right. I mean, they, they they almost need to do the 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 timeline playlist like they've done for the MCU, where... 
you can watch the MCU movies in order by phases or in chronological order in universe. Yeah. You do. You got to make it easier for the um, the casual fans because they're the yeah. ones that are, they're going to pad the numbers. It's not us. You don't have to worry about people like myself, Nick, or anyone that listens to the show more than likely. We are going to feed the numbers. I mean, hell, the Haywood household itself typically watches a new episode of Star Wars at least three times in a week let alone rewatches to get ready for the next season. So Nick's not wrong. You you got to start, I don't want to say dumbing it down for the casuals. You got to make it more accessible. You yeah. got to connect the dots for them because they haven't made Star Wars their religion like a lot of us. They don't believe the force is real and they don't know what connects to what. I mean, that's I why mean, you have people commenting to Nick, uh, uh, Ahsoka takes place after a new hope, right? Um, like, technically, no. yes, but it's way after. <laughs> like, <laughs> like over but, 10 years, at least. It's like, I, I think that one easy way to do this, too, is like if you uh, have ever seen American Horror Story uh, anywhere on streaming, whatever. American Horror Story does not separate out. Like if you go to streaming on Hulu for American Horror Story, it's not like American Horror Story. Apocalypse has its own thing and then Murder House has its own thing and then hotel has its own thing they're all under american horror story and they just list them in the order at which they were released and i think that something as simple as just having instead of having like you know series pages or you still have series pages but you have a mandoverse category and you have the mandalorian seasons or the mandalorian you know universe as a as like a card, a title card on Disney plus you go into it and then it lists all of the seasons of TV, whether it be the Mandalorian or it be the interconnected series in the order that they were released in the order that you are supposed to watch them. And, and something like that would make it super easy because then when season two of Ahsoka comes out, it falls under the Mandoverse little title card and people have to click into that. And then there is an understanding inherently like, Oh, all of these series are connected. I understand now. And look, uh, you know, Andor isn't in this one. So Andor isn't a part of this whole thing. And (laughs) and Kenobi's not in this. So it's not a part of this whole thing. You know, it it almost, it's almost like they could follow the fucking eras that Lucasfilm just created. They could do that. It's like, wow, isn't that a novel idea? I mean, Lucasfilm itself, all the way back at the Dawn of the Jedi, has, what is it, Nick? Nine new eras? Oh, God. And, uh, and yeah, the Mandoverse so. literally is its own fucking era. It's like, the, I don't know if it's like the rise of the New Republic or the New Republic's reign, but that, there you go. Like, j- just do what he's saying. Just fucking get some asshole intern. Give them that website that we showed you all on this show a few weeks ago, straight from StarWars.com. Be like, hey, asshole, see this? And Nick, here's the best part. They already put the fucking shows in the eras on the website. Yeah. So they're already doing what you're telling them to, just not in the place where people need it. It's yeah, not accessible, like I it. said. So, bam, like, like you said, you got Don the Jedi, Old Republic, High Republic, Grand Republic, uh, Rise of the Empire, the Age of Rebellion, the, the New Republic fucks itself, and then you're into, you know, the sequel trilogy. It's not art. It's just yeah. like people don't want to do the easy shit over at Disney+. Plus. I, I, and, you know, I'm not trying to say that anybody should be fired. I'm not saying that, that these people are buffoons. What, I, what is really happening is that 
John and Dave are are too consumed with making multiple TV shows for them to think about organization of how yeah, yeah that's not their episodes job. Are, are shown on a streaming. They're service. storytellers, like that sh- man. That, that's yeah. it. Like that should be somebody else's job, you know. Like the way that it's organized and in and, and ease of access and, and ease of understanding f- for where these shows are are located in timeline should be handled by you know the the people on the streaming side of things. The one thing that they could definitely do a little bit better is, is making it right. yes, like stingers, making it clear that these are connected series and that you should you know like after season three of The Mandalorian ends, hey. Right around the corner, Ahsoka's coming, and that's the next chapter of storytelling. So, um, shit, man. I mean, like Marvel used to do. Mandalorian will be back, or Ahsoka will be back in the Mandalorian. Something like that. Like it's not hard. You you could do it for almost zero cost too. Oh yeah, just 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 put words on the screen, and people like, all right, gotcha, check, makes sense. (sighs) Ah. Damn, dude, you should. We should be running Disney Plus or something. We we definitely should be doing something <laughs> rather than broadcasting out of my basement about Star Wars. That that's that's that always has plagued me. So many great ideas come across these these microphones over to YouTube and into your eyes and ear holes. It's amazing we haven't been syndicated yet. I Truly feel is. like uh, somebody somebody who listens to us has to know somebody. Who knows somebody who works on Star there you Wars go. stuff? There you <laughs> go. We need to, give them, we need a, give them a link. Give get them a, that even, somebody. Yeah, come on. Cl- clip, clip it. Like, give them a clip of some of our ideas that we have, and see we if need, they can take those. And we make need it somebody to love us. Like but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating though. It is frustrating to see like you have such a big base. Like you have a, a really good customer base with the Mandalorian, and in just not being able to translate that across series, especially interconnected series is, is definitely any other thing. I mean, Nick, you, you have built in free promotion from assholes like you and me. I mean, there's a million of us across this universe all doing the same thing, it, it, you know, waiting with bated breath for Lucasfilm Disney to give us something to chew on and then vomit up all over the star Wars internet. Right? Like it's just, it, it ain't that hard. It really, I mean, that's, I, I, you almost do have to wonder how much the suits have gotten involved and, and what are they fucking up on the business decision end? I mean, we, we can identify where the creatives have made a few hiccups, most notably not including post credits to kind of attach this stuff. But like Nick said, the platform, that's not their fucking job. You know, get some asshole, give them that sheet. Let's organize the Star Wars content into errors. It's not that difficult all right well kung fu treachery fall the house of usher i guess that, that is star wars related because uh mr hamill is in it mm-hmm. um, i have not seen that yet but well that I that's a part of i think the guy isn't that the mike flanagan guy and yes i don't know if it's similar to what you're saying about american horror story but he seems to put out like a a horror themed limited series every fall right it, it's been a th- like four years now i think he and, and I don't I, I don't know if they're connected in world or they're all different, but he seems to kind of nail this every year, Nick, in terms of I think last year is like about a like a priest in a small town. The year before that, apparently that was the shittiest one. But the first one, it was like some haunted house thing. I don't know. But but Kung Fu saying here, fall the house of Usher, 10 out of 10. I've heard that from other people, non-Star Wars fans, also just saying, yo, Luke Skywalker fucking kills it in this show. 
which I, I do not deny. I did watch him in that stupid movie with, which is named Brett Kersher, Kreischer, that fat Kreischer, comedian, Bert, yeah, Bert that, Kreischer, that comedian yes. guy. Uh, it's all right. You know, I, it's, it is, it's weird. It's always hard for me to see Mark Hamill as anyone but Luke Skywalker. Cause I, you know, I was a little fucking mushy brain person when, when the original Star Wars movies come out and it just, it never fails. Anytime I see him anywhere, it's just like, oh yeah, that's Luke being another guy. It's not, and that's not a knock on Hamill. Hamill fucking kicks ass. Like he's, he's great at fucking acting. That's just my inability to separate uh, the human from the character. Yeah, no, 100%. <sighs> I, I'm okay. the same way with, with Mark. It's, it is definitely hard to see him in anything else. It's tough, man. Like that, you know, the first time really we all got to see him again was in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, right? And, and he's he playing put, like essentially, you know, he's playing knocker. like a version, yeah, like, you know, a version <laughs> of, of Darth Vader or something like that. Yeah, Still like a Star Wars related character. Carrie Fisher's in there sucking yeah. dick for, for rides and stuff. I mean, wow. Great. Wow, you know Harrison. <laughs> Harrison made it out. Those two, while they, you know they still had great careers in other Hollywood type of roles, they they just they became the typecast. I mean, as much as Harrison hate hated Han Solo, it typecast him as the fucking roguish, swashbuckling hero, which played well in indie. Uh, when he when he was in like the clear and present danger stuff, playing that character yeah, over Ryan. and over, yeah, he, Jack. Yeah, I mean, just like here we go. I mean, it's like that was definitely the better typecast than like yeah. You know, then I mean, like, but the thing is, is like Luke Skywalker's typecast is a typical you know heroic like hero's journey type of character, and there's a thousand people who have done that, so it's not yeah. like you didn't really separate him into a into a whole different category, right? And it's, you know, it's it was Luke, like yeah. yeah there, there's a bunch of male white hero characters, that's for damn sure. But it was fucking Luke, and and Hamill's he just could never shake it, and. Good for him. He pivoted into a kick-ass fucking voiceover career, and and now he's you know getting some stuff as a, a little bit older older man. All right, dude. Speaking of Luke Skywalker, this one was kind of wild. I, I'm glad we got this last week. This is coming. This is not us, by the way. I, I know some of you. When I was running the shorts this past week, you accused me of going for clickbait, and that's exactly what I was doing, and it worked for the most part. Honestly, uh, that's. That's what we should be doing. We're trying to yeah. build a following. People. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> like, so like, it was, dude, it was awesome. Like some of the comments were fantastic. Some of the comments were like, yeah, fucking a. And some of the comments were like, oh, look at these clickbait assholes or you whiny old bitch Star Wars men. <laughs> I was like, yeah, do it. Bring the hate. Fucking pee all over us. That, I mean, that's only going to drive the algo. That's why anytime it comes across the feed, I try to drop a comment on Beyond the Dune Sea just to see if I can generate some juice for them. You know, it, it is what it is. Hint, hint, Connor, start hooking us up with some comments <laughs> on our shorts if you get my drip. Uh, but anyways, we... we we weren't trying to get clickbaity tonight with this re- rebooting Luke Skywalker topic. That th- This is not coming from our brains, although we are going to let you know what we think about this. So, Nick, just to set this up, this drops last week. Matthew Vaughn, uh, probably most famously known for Kingsman, X-Men mm-hmm. First Class. You know, he's done some pretty cool action-y type of movies. Yeah. Uh, but he was over on Happy, Sad, Confused. And I will say, if you're on the stream and you're looking at this article... Fully written by AI. Booyah! Love it. I was like, hey, take this take this deadline article, only focus on Star Wars shit, and pull the quotes. And it did it fucking perfectly. 
Thank Nailed you. It. That that's our new intern. Intern's been <laughs> fired. Our new intern is Chat GPT, the free one. Yes. <laughs> We've already see we're replacing jobs over here at the SWTS with AI. You better get on the cutting edge of tech, or you're going to be in the unemployment line. But anyways, Matt's talking to happy, sad, confused. You, you, Nick, you can start to tell these creatives they're getting itchy. Like they need something to do because they're 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 just starting to say some wild shit. But um, essentially. Vaughn was talking on the state of Hollywood and how he feels that the the strikes and what is happening now is actually a good paradigm shift. He believes that this is going to cause kind of the entertainment industry to gravitate back towards letting creatives be creative and, and, and getting away from the rubber stamp you know, uh, the sequel, this sequel, that sequel, this franchise, big tent pole type of shit. And he was talking across entertainment mediums, singing, uh, you know, TV, film, you name it. He, he feels like this is a, a moment in time where the creatives are somehow going to get the power back to create what they want to create because the studios might finally realize that they need humans to create shit. So th- this is kind of the frame of the interview. All right, everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here he goes. He's he's talking about the studios, the studios. It's like any artistic form, the music business, movies, fashion, the financing and the commerce has taken over the creative. And he's yeah, he's not wrong. Listen, I mean, there there's reasons Bob Iger's pay themselves 60 million dollar bonuses because that they don't care about the art being put forward where they care about Nick, the stock price. Mm-hmm. Can yes. they increase the stock price for the other rich people that own a majority of the stock? So that has nothing to do with the creatives. So he says that always means eventually for short-term gains, you do well, but long-term you kill everything. So he, he, you can tell Matt, like a lot of creatives, we're probably getting tired of the, the, the business model that, was, that existed before the strikes. But anyways, after this, he was kind of flamethrowing the industry. He was asked, like, hey, man, if you were ever asked to work on Star Wars, what would you, how would you react to that? And here's what he said, which may surprise some people. Essentially saying, hey, if you ask me now, like in this current state of entertainment and Star Wars, not so much. For me, doing a Star Wars movies is to play with the characters I love. If they said to me they'd reboot Star Wars and actually have Luke Skywalker solo invader and do your version of it, everyone would say you're an idiot to try, but that would excite me. He went on to say like, why are the Star Wars characters so hallowed that from 1977, you can't redo it for a new audience. So Nick, we'll start there before (laughs) we get to his, his next quote, but how how do you how do you take that like i mean is this guy off his rocker rebooting the original trilogy is that i mean to me that's borderline sacrilegious i'm gonna preface this by saying that i really like matthew vaughn as a director i think he does a lot of cool dynamic things with action scenes if you've seen the kingsman franchise it's really fun just in terms of how the action is shot and, and everything like that. I really enjoyed X-Men First Class. I think it was the standout of all of the shitty X-Men that came after the original trilogy mm-hmm. of X-Men movies. Um, but I find it funny that he says, the first thing he says where it's like, oh, well, the creatives are going to take things back and 
you know, the, the current model that's going on and is studio run. And you can tell that it's just for a buck. And then the first thing he says he would do with franchise it, with star Wars is reboot it, which is exactly what every studio is doing with every fucking property on the planet. Like, so instead of saying like, have, instead of literally what he says he loves to do is take the opportunity to, to tell stories and be, and be creative. Yeah. He says, <laughs> I reboot want to redo it, it. <laughs> which is exactly. I hope what I was hoping the, you would catch that. I was like, dude, did I miss something? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now. And like this, and this is the problem with Holly, with the, just the thinking clearly of even the, the creatives in Hollywood at this moment is like, they don't look at, the opportunity to build something new is exciting, which is, which is just sad. Like it's scary, dude. We're we're going to have like star Wars 55 by the time we're dead. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it is way more exciting. If Matthew Vaughn would come into star Wars and be like, Hey, instead of me just doing the same old song and dance with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and, and princess Leia and, and just updating the story to make it look cool for a 2020 X audience. Like what would be way more interesting is like him to come in and say like, Hey, the Skywalker family like has had an incredibly long run an incredibly storied history and, and, and their story is cemented for ages to come. I mean, you know, star Wars, the original trilogy is, is some of the best, you know, hero's journey storytelling that we've seen in, in, in cinematic history. It is in the pantheon of 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 all time film entertainment. Um, you, you can't remake them. I mean, George no. remade them, and they're worse. Yeah. So, like, the answer is not doing that. The answer is is for Matthew Vaughn, this person that has this this dynamic style and these this cr- these creative ideas and all of this stuff to come in and say like, hey, man, like the Skywalker stuff was great, but like it's it's time I want to put my stamp on Star Wars right. in a way that is not going to just be like taking old characters and redoing them again. Like I'm going to make my own family. Like what if I make my own family or what if I make my own characters and I give them a journey that is equal to or greater than that of the sky. Oh, watch out, Nick. You like, can't be greater than the sky. Remember, and <laughs> because of the rise of Skywalker, it has been determined unless you come from Royal force <laughs> family blood, you can never be a great force user. So, yeah, I guess not. But, but the, yeah, the, I mean, this the was... sad thing is he's probably he, these movies would probably be well because anyone that has tried to even slightly alter the Star Wars formula, Ryan Johnson, has been eviscerated by a majority of the fan base. But I, I think the reason that that happens is because of the attachment to the old characters. Well, like yeah, because it, it was still it was it still was technically still the Skywalker. Yeah, okay, and right, like people's right. umbrage with you know, with TLJ, like, wasn't around, like, oh, you know, it, it wasn't around primarily, like, the Poe Dameron stuff. Oh, no, it was Or, Luke. like, the Kylo and Rey it, it was, stuff. It was Luke. It was, it was, Luke, it was about, Luke. yeah, Luke. it was about the mains. And, and that's the issue, is that, like, people now look at Star Wars as, like, oh, if I'm going to 
do Star Wars, then I want to play with the characters that have been played with for 40 years. When really you are, you, you have this huge open galaxy, all of the time in the world that you want to play with and, and, and the ability to go in and create characters, create new storylines and create new, you know, opportunities for people who are maybe unfamiliar with Star Wars, unfamiliar with the Skywalker family to now be able to jump in on a zero store starting point and be like, Hey, I love these new characters and I really have grown attached to this new storyline in Star Wars that has nothing to do with the Skywalkers. And and the fact that he came up and the, the only thing that he could think of as like a creative is to reboot the original <laughs> trilogy is kind of sad. Um, yeah, I mean, l- listen, they, they have, I mean, you could argue Ahsoka, especially this series was separate and i guess skywalkers were still involved anyways so i mean they i guess some characters they've tried i mean mandalorian there we go but even then they're like hey you know what by the end of the second season let's go ahead and put the skywalker stamp on it anyways because nostalgia you know i mean that's like listen i still lament that choice i love the moment i'll never forget when i first saw luke show up it was beautiful but in the end, they effectively gave up on trying to make the Mandalorian feel new, fresh, and somewhat detached from the Skywalker saga brood there. Yeah. But it is. It's like they, they can't get away from the Skywalkers. And it, and I want to stay on this, but I want to read his last quote, and then we can... I do want to spin, spin your tires a bit on what a rebooted original trilogy would look like to you. But for, here he goes. And this kind of shows his short-sightedness here. And a lot of what how fans probably think too, Nick. But here he goes. Star Wars is the Skywalker family, and that's where I think they've gone wrong. They forgot. They've done brilliant in TV, but it needs an epic new film. That's what I would do. Reboot Luke. Everyone is going to go batshit crazy, but let's bring it on. If you want a new generation, make the movie for them. The old generation, hopefully you make it well enough that they enjoy it. So I'll you start like- here. I, I um. This is bad, okay? The only time I've ever considered reskinning the original trilogy, Nick, is when they put out those amazing, like, in-your-face, anime-infused shorts mm-hmm. on yeah. YouTube Kids. Remember where they'd be like, hey, Galaxy here's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. I was like, okay, you want to do that? You want to do, like, an animated, like, anime, in-your-face type of presentation of Star Wars? Yes. What this guy's talking about is is a fucking sin. The only reason you would ever reboot the Star Wars movies if every copy, every hard drive in the universe spontaneously combusted and there was no way to ever watch Star Wars again. That's the only way you ever reboot the original trilogy. Am I correct? Yeah. No, I mean, I 100% agree with you. And like, I don't know, like, I don't know if, if Vaughn was like on something when he said this, but like in this one statement, he contradicts himself immediately. He says, Star Wars is the Skywalker family. And that's where I think they've gone wrong. So what is his answer? Reboot the Skywalker family. Like, how is that addressing what you just said has gone wrong. You said that Star Wars has become solely I think, about the Skywalker well, family, uh, Nick, and now our, you just want to reboot the same family? 
our our AI intern might have left some shit out, but I, I think what he meant by gone wrong is is in the films by doing um, you know Rogue One and Solo, not necessarily doing Skywalker centric films. I, th- I I'm pretty sure that's what he was saying there, but in the end, he probably was at least huffing some paint. Yeah, I mean it's I mean we can see the contradictory statements that he's making even in the first two, and 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 still like. I just, I, I can't, I'm, like, I did not think that his, like, as somebody who essentially created the Kingsman franchise, like, these are not characters that are based off of anybody else, or at least as far as I know, maybe there's some sort of comic tie-in or something like that, but you would think that somebody who is a creatively minded person would would have the, and has the opportunity to work on Star Wars and who address it, who says that the problem is that Star Wars has become too much about the Skywalkers would not want to reboot it. Like you would want to make something else within that universe that stands apart from it. I don't know. I mean, like the answer is not to reboot the, right. the, the, the original trilogy. Well, let's, like it, let's, let's talk about what that could look like though. Cause that, you know, that that's fun, even though it should never happen. But I mean, what do we reboot the plot or are we rebooting the visuals? What, what do you think the bigger, I mean, obviously it would look visually stunning. You would hope. I mean, that that would be like the only benefit of rebooting the original trilogy is actually having, you know, 21st century effects. Uh, yeah. But, but what, what, what else could you see? Like, like, would, you know, would Luke be even more emo? Would, would he like have a phone and looking and scrolling on the farm? I mean, what, what do you think a reboot would entail outside of just obviously the visual polish? Yeah, I mean, visual polish aside, I think the funny thing is, is that the original trilogy did a fantastic job of already kind of meeting story standards that that some series aren't meeting today. Having strong female leads, like with with uh, Leia in there. Um, I mean, maybe what would happen in a rebooted Star Wars is that there is a little bit more like. Uh, focus on Leia as a character because she okay. is, is always kind of plays like second, third fiddle to Han and, and, and Luke. So like maybe you you magnify her her role a little bit more. You say Matthew Vaughn's going to wokeify Star Wars? Bro. I, probably. I mean, like if he's going <laughs> to do it, like if, if he's going to do it, well, I mean, he's not going to do it. But like I, I feel like if there is something that you would kind of focus on in terms of of like a, a narrative change to the original trilogy. It, it may be like magnifying Leia's character a little bit more and making it a little bit more clear in the earlier movies of the connection between Luke and Leia, because that does kind of like really just kind of spring up out of nowhere. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we didn't know. It, it like kept things interesting and it kept the character dynamic between Luke Han and Leia very kind very interesting until the end of the series where you're like holy shit like they're they're related they're brother and sister um but maybe you play it in a way where there is some hints or there is a little bit more play with the connection between Luke and Leia and and maybe there is a little bit more uh focus put on the the force sensitive side of Leia because we really like the four, like Leia being force sensitive didn't even fucking come up until ROTJ at the very end. Like there, there was no even hint at it. And then all of a sudden she's like 
oh, you like Luke says, oh, you're my sister. And she's like, well, I, yeah, I, I could feel that, I guess. Right. Like, you know, so maybe there is a little bit better storytelling done there just in terms of like maybe just to the audience, not to like the, the actual in-universe characters that like she does have some sort of yeah, force sensitivity. I, I think you're on to something because I was thinking specifically with A New Hope. Because you got to remember, he wrote that movie as, hey, hey, th- this could be it. He, he didn't have plans to continue. Th- this was his make or break as a director. So w- with hindsight, he clearly wrote the story beginning, middle, end. He needed it to end. He, he wasn't thinking about the future. Now, being able to reboot it, knowing there was a future, as Nick said, knowing that all these narrative tentpoles are going to pop up about brothers, sisters, fathers, betrayals this that and the other thing i do think you could take a new hope specifically and add those enhancements to it you know fold in the fact that vader reports to an emperor give vader a little bit more than than vader you know maybe maybe this could be our chance to finally get inside the mind maybe maybe in the reboot they they decide to make vader a point of view character which would be fucking kick-ass but I, i like like nick is saying now that the story had been written, you could go back and enhance the films without necessarily completely changing their, their initial narratives. But, I, but I do think like, like you said, with the, with the knowledge that they were related and that the, you know, Vader's their dad, you could play with that in ways in a new hope to start setting up those reveals better in empire and return of the Jedi. You could yeah. establish vader's conundrum much better because i mean i love vader in the new hope but by the end you're like yeah he's just he's mostly a fucking meathead motherfucker right i mean that reports to this moff gideon or moff tarkin fuck when with the reboot knowing what you now know about vader's journey and his ties to the emperor you could introduce that relationship and show like okay he's he truly is the number two but he's still a bitch even to this guy like vader's just always going to be the bitch yeah Um, it's so there's like a a few things you can do there, but like, I don't think that, that a, like a full reboot is necessary because almost assuredly what they would do is they, they would, they would change the narrative. Like they would, they would obviously keep the character relationships and stuff like that the same, but they would, they would probably shift narratively in some significant ways, you know, I think you're spot on with giving Leia more of a voice, especially in this this time and age. I know that's woke to a lot of people, but I mean, when it comes down to it, Leia should get more credit for everything that happened over her brother. Her brother showed up. He's the born on third base motherfucker in the Skywalker family. Let's let's be real. Like he putzed around until his late teens fix fixing, you know, moisture evaporators down on uh, Owen's farm. While, you know, Leia, by the time she's six or seven, is in like the junior Senate when she's a teen. She's a fucking senator working with the Phoenix Squadron on Lothal to smuggle shit out. Come on. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that would be a, a massive change. And obviously that would cancel the movie and a lot of eyes of individuals out there. Yeah. Um, you I know, mean, it, you could see them making Luke Skywalker a black guy, you know, one of, <laughs> one of those moves. I just think that like... Uh, the way that they should approach it is more because what star Wars has become in the eyes of people who have seen the original trilogy now is is not a, it's not a movie that is led by any one of the three. It is an ensemble cast 
and but it doesn't the storylines don't lend itself to an ensemble cast of characters like the storylines are very focused on Luke which gives you a good perspective into like the main character type of narrative that they were playing at when it was originally made but now there is an understanding of you know Luke wasn't necessarily the main character of the original trilogy it was all three of them were the main characters and I think that with that knowledge going into a potential reboot, which will never happen, you would give more equal time to each of those characters. And I think that you could still do it in an effective way and you could still tell the same story in an effective way, but also enhance the characters of both Han Solo and Leia by giving them more time as the focus of like narrative storytelling. Yeah, well- so. You're exactly right. If you if you really think about the original trilogy, it's Luke leading a narrative, everyone else on the good side, and then the bad guy perspective. I mean that that's the formula for Star Wars. It's like, okay, what's Luke doing? All right, what's everyone else not Luke doing on the good side? All right, now what where are the bad guys up to? Yeah. And and they've they identified that in the sequel trilogy. Like one of the good things that the sequel trilogy did was identify that the three main characters all deserve equal time in storytelling. And that's what that, that was what they set out to do in the, the three movies. They were like, okay, like we understand that start the original trilogy of star Wars is not a story about Luke Skywalker. It's a story about all three of these characters and in, in the dynamics and the relationship building between all three of these characters which is why the idea initially for the st- for for the sequel trilogy was each one of the original trilogy characters essentially has their own movie. It worked out perfectly for Han. Like let, let's be real, yeah. like yeah. he he got the win there. Like if we're going to look at all three of them, he came out the best because mm-hmm. he got TFA and TFA to this day I still think is the best of the sequel trilogy and I think that oh, 100%. even even fans that hate it can't really hate too heavily on TFA. Yeah, I mean their um, biggest argument with that one is, oh, it's just a remake of Manu. It's, yeah, it's like okay. It's well, that's close. a good fucking it's, movie too. So who cares? Yeah, it's like I'm sorry, it's too close to the original. But where it went off the rails, obviously, is people didn't like Luke in in eight. That really threw a wrench into things, and then Episode Nine was completely fucked because that was supposed to be Carrie's movie, and then obviously Carrie passed before that time, threw the whole thing into a spiral. And then the initial idea that you set out with having the original trilogy characters essentially come to their end in each of these films of their own, you know, accord falls out in in a big way. But they understood that. They understood that Star Wars wasn't just Luke Skywalker. Star Wars was all of these characters. And I think that a potential reboot would probably address that in in a more, um, like, straightforward fashion. But yeah, I mean, it just... I don't know, like like Matthew Vaughn. Hey, it's a good way to get people talking about your projects, I guess. So I, I don't I, I don't think this was unintentional. Do uh, what he was saying, but it is like as I said when we started this. To me, it's it's sacrilegious. I I just I can't unless you're doing that that high octane anime infused style. <coughs> I I don't know how anyone any creative yeah. could ever consider this and think that the world would not want to light them on fire. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that. I I I think if you pose this question to ten directors or ten creative, like maybe not even directors, directors, writers, producers, whoever, like people who are who work in the creative field of movie making, I think that nine and a half out of ten of them would be like, no, you don't fucking reboot the original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Are you crazy? I'd like, be like. I'll do it for a billion dollars because I'm not going to have a career after I do it. Yeah. It's like, like after you do that, you're fucked. Like, yeah. I mean, dude, pe- people uh, like even now when they're upset with a, a single narrative choice are ready to burn down people's homes, you know, like yeah. light Disney on fire. Could you imagine if they essentially ret- retconned and rebooted the, the, the trilogy that started all this shit? Damn yeah, near, I mean, you know, what, 40 plus years ago, 50, 60, 70, 80. I can't do math right now, but a long time ago, 1977. Yeah, I mean, 50 of 48 years ago. I uh, wonder, do you think, how many years or months do you think we are to where you could run the original Star Wars through an AI and, and just say, improve the effects, like on the fly? You know that's going to oh, happen dude, at some point it, in time, it's, right? It's so, I mean, we're on what? gpt4 now i think that like by gpt6 it'll be able to do it yeah because right now you can already i think that they're like video game develop and like this is you know indie video game developers small video game developers maybe even individuals who are using ai models to make their art for them like to to just like like make their character models to do the pure generative ai right like i want this person to look like this bing bang boom and 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 here you go but yeah, yeah, you're just like, hey, um, clean this up and make it look like it's from the year 2023. So it's yeah. not going to change the story or anything. I just wonder, like, replacing all the effects, what, what that type of process would be. That'd be fucking wild. But I, yeah. I don't think we're that I don't think we're that far off. And if you're not yeah. getting in the AI train yet, like I'm I'm living in it because I, you know, I teach in information technology. So you kind of have to. But you best start learning how to use it. Yeah, it's, it is going to be a, uh, it's the way of the future. And I know that like, you know, I, and I stand with the creatives who are like, you should not be making, you know, like you, you, you can't be making content purely off of AI generated shit. And I agree with that. Yeah. But there are industries that, um, there are industries that should be using it. Well, yeah. If you're in it and you're not, already starting to at least try to learn how to prompt you're you're already lost you're already way behind the game because this is no different than the search engines were at the turn of the the century here like like, you know if you're in it and you know how to search the internet you can make people think you're a fucking genius this is the same thing by a power of a thousand where you could be as dumb as me and sit there and produce some high level code content prose you name it jokes so get with it you might as yeah. well let, let, let's just fully succumb to the next evolution of beings on this planet i, I i'm 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 100 i'm with the creator i'm with all these movies where you know ai becomes sentient and they're essentially the next evolution of humanity it is like we are creating the next better version of a being whether you want to think that or not because how do you think ai gets trained from our fucking brains we teach them to be human and but they have guardrails that go well you guys are fucked up 
So yeah. die, die. You all need to die. Let's go, Skynet, twenty twenty four. All right. In conclusion, on this Vaughn thing, I I do hope that eventually he does get to direct a Star Wars film because I think that his style would be super interesting to watch in a Star Wars movie, and I think it would be. The closest thing that you could even compare it to is, you know, either the prequel trilogy or maybe even some of the crazier shit that we've seen in like Star Wars visions. Like he is that dynamic of an of an action oriented director. Um, But if it does happen, I I know it will not be in a reboot of the original trilogy. Stay away from Luke, motherfucker. Yeah, I didn't use this nice graphic the whole time. Oh, well, there you go. There's Luke not getting rebooted. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, kind of sticking with uh, movies or not movies, or maybe it'll be a movie. Will the strike ever end? Nobody knows. But we got an update today from Sean. Is it Levy or Levi? Sean I think Levi? it's Levy. Levy? I don't, yeah, I think it's Anyways, Levy. He, he's, he's fairly hot in, in pop culture these days. I mean, he directed Stranger Things. He's doing Deadpool 3. He's pretty much Ryan Reynolds' personal director, so Free Guy, The Adam Project, all that type of shit. Really, I mean, quite frankly, good pop Action culture. Comedies. Yeah, good good kind of geeky stuff. I mean, Free Guy's a good flick. Adam Project's kick-ass. Feels very 80s-like, Amblin-esque. Uh, so I dig it. And he, apparently, Nick, he's, he's one of these people working on a Star Wars movie, whether that's going to happen or not. Um, so he's being interviewed by Variety and kind of asked about his high profile star wars film uh which is a thing so let's kind of hear what what he's saying here all right so when kathy kennedy brought me on board to make a star wars movie her central mandate to me was i want a sean levy movie i want a story and a tone that reflects you and your tastes and what you bring to your movies with a star wars story So I have felt extremely empowered. We are in early days, unfortunately, because the development process was abruptly paused due to the WGA strike. But I feel very empowered to trust my instinct in the development of this story and movie. So I I guess this confirms that, yeah, he's kind of in that Taika holding pattern of writing but can't write or can't really talk about it now because of the strike. But Nick, it sounds like Sean is being given the freedom to do exactly what you want, right? Yeah. I mean, so hopefully now he can resume because the WGA strike is resolved. Like the, the writer strike Correct. is over. Correct. He, so, he should so be able to, he, can, he should be able to, to get back to writing yeah. for sure. But this sounds fantastic. This is also exactly what they said to JJ, Ryan, and Colin when they did the trilogy, which was the problem. Um, is that I want you to make your movie and I want you to do all of the things in your movies that you do in all those other movies except make it Star Wars great in theory, but if if Sean Levy's movie is going to be a part of something, uh, another trilogy, yeah, I was going to say that's the that caveat. Shit, that's the caveat. Yeah. Like if it, if it is truly like, I know he didn't intend to say this, but if it truly is a Star Wars story, a la what we got with Solo Rogue and One. what we got with Rogue One, where it's kind of a standalone thing, fantastic. You should tell your creatives to do that. You shouldn't tell your creatives like, hey, you need to imitate George Lucas as closely as you can. Um, 
So I think that in theory, this is a great thing. And if it is a standalone movie or he has control of his own series of movies, whether that be, you know, two movies or three, it's a perfect way to bring in a talented storyteller, you know, to the Star Wars universe. I think that would be ideal. Um, but I mean, it, it does it, get dangerous if there are other people that are going to be involved. In yeah, this. you know, I, that's a, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I wasn't thinking that his film was going to be tied to others. But Nick is Nick's warning is very, very strong and clear because that's why and we've said this a million times on this dumb show. The sequel trilogy failed because you did not have a cohesive voice across the narrative. You can't ask artistic, creative people. You're like, hey, do, do whatever the fuck you want. And then we'll let this guy do whatever the fuck he wants and we'll let this guy do whatever the fuck he wants. Because you know what's going to happen? Everyone is going to do whatever the fuck they want. Which yeah. doesn't bode well when you're sharing a story across three films. So I, I, I hopefully they've learned from that mistake, Nick. And these are we are going to get back to the what the initial plan was. Skywalker stuff. Star Wars story, Skywalker stuff, Star Wars story. That would be fun. And I think Sean is a great talent to have in this space. The question is, knowing, you know, obviously, he, I think he made his name on Stranger Things. So working with, with a younger cast, that type of stuff. Uh, now he's kind of moved on and, and latched in with, with Ryan doing some, I, not like hardcore shit. You know, Deadpool 3, we know is going to be kind of hardcore because it has to, but with humor layered in there, obviously. But um, wh where do you think his mind's at, Nick? Is he going to stick more to like Stranger Things and the Adam Project? So, you know, like a, a, a kid's going to be a main character? Or does he potentially tap Ryan to, to play a, a new type of scoundrel? I mean, Ryan would have to play like a fucking scoundrel, right? He's... As much yeah. as I love the guy, he he has kind of typecast himself in the the um, slappier, dickier action type of hero. Yeah, I mean, if you if you kind of look at what's under his belt, and, and to put this out there, like Sean does not have a lot of directing credits under his belt. Like he has produced a lot of things. He's got a lot of producer credits. In terms of acting credits, like not a whole lot. Like you said. Deadpool three is the one that's really the standout that's in production now. And then some, some, uh, released episodes of stranger things given his background and like what kind of stand out in his, uh, IMDB, he seems to be like comedically action focused yeah. in a certain way with like Adam project, free guy, Deadpool yeah, no, three. I'd, I'd like, say that's right. Those are all kind of in that wheelhouse. And there's a lot of other like comedically based things that are on his resume. Um, I, I I don't think that I would like to see Ryan Reynolds in Star Wars. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest. And it's not because I don't think he's a good actor. I think he is a good actor. But it's I think that... Too known, right? Too familiar. Exactly. Like he is Ryan Reynolds. And like that's that's a problem now because he's now... Like some actors are are actors to their core and you know them for the characters that they play. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, I wouldn't mind if he's in Star Wars, even though he is Leonardo DiCaprio, because he is not a boisterous personality that like lives out in the open and like is known for being himself. Like he is known good, for the never, roles like, literally, that he, he plays. He's gone. 
I mean, he, if he's not in a movie, you don't hear about Leonardo. Yeah, like, and it like. But that Ryan d- is he's in your face all day. Yeah, he and like when you see Ryan in something, you're like, that's Ryan Reynolds. Like when you see Leonardo DiCaprio in something, I'm not like that's Leo. I'm like he Leo is playing this dude and he's doing it well. Um, so for his style, it's interesting and like it's you know. Because we've never really seen the closest that we've seen to what Sean Levy does is Solo by far. Like Solo did a really good job of of kind of mixing in comedic elements a little bit more with some of the the action oriented stuff. I know that you know Star Wars kind of across the spectrum mixes in humor in certain degrees, but it's never a large degree. Um, like it uses like timed humor well but it's not a movie that's based around comedy and action like oh, well, yeah i mean is. even even in tlj that ryan infused a little bit more than usual and that was too much for some people yeah like, like, the, like the, the whole po thing bite and, and yeah the whole the whole poe and hucks like oh your mom and that that was like too much yeah so like it was never like star wars was never like an action comedy or, or something like that for him what i think could be interesting is like you know it could be like a roguish type of solo esque character or like, cause like a, like to me, a force user doesn't fit with him. Like there hasn't been, or, or maybe like I'm taking too limited of a view of it. And like, maybe he can make a force user very entertaining to watch with the style that he is kind of, I'm kind of with you though. Like I think it would be more of your roguish scoundrel type. I mean, in my head, I, I, for some reason, it keeps going back to the Adam Project. I, it's a really good movie. It's got, you know, it's it's got some humor. It's got some heart. It's got some sci-fi, some time travel. Just a good science fiction type of flick. And I, I think it, it, it could be like that. Maybe you do have, you know, like a dude. But the dude gets mixed up with a fucking, you know, kid for some reason. That adds some hijinks, something different we've never really yeah. seen in Star Wars. Although... We're, we're more or less going to be getting this in skeleton crew. So that's a false yeah. statement at this point and, in time. And here's the thing is like, I would always say too, like, and I, and I have said on this podcast, like just because a director or a creative has done a type of movie, his, you know, that, that he's become known for doesn't mean that he can't do a different type of movie. I mean, Correct. if you look at Ryan Johnson's career, like Ryan Johnson started off doing looper and, and like weird, you know, brick and, and shit like that. And now he is like the master of the murder mystery. Like his, his, his style has, has shifted and, and he's done a really good job of adapting to different types of storytelling. But what stands out here is that Kathleen says, I want a Sean Levy movie. And when you say something like that, she has identified what your style is and what you're known for and wants that in a star Wars format. So that's why I'm kind of harping on, you know, the Adam project, Deadpool, Stranger Things, stuff like that, because right. that's what he's known for. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's um, why I keep going back to the Adam Project. Out of all those, I feel like that one would fit the Star Wars universe the best. I, Deadpool's way too slapdicky yeah, for, for Star Wars. Like that, that just may be like an animated spoof, kind of like they're doing with Star Trek Lower Decks, where it, it's like way kind of far out, though. It's still attached to the canon but they, they they literally had to like make it animated and, and kind of keep it away from the other stuff because it was the tone was just so different. Yeah. And, and that would be the same if, if he rolled with the, the Deadpool style. I don't know, man. I mean, he was hanging out with with Taylor, Ryan, Ryan's wife, whatever, Blake. 
at, at one <laughs> of the football games. So, you know, maybe maybe Taylor Swift is potentially going to have oh, a role gosh. in this Sean Levy For film. Sure. Maybe she so. She should, because if anything, it'll be a boon for business for Star Wars. I mean, anything she touches turns to fucking diamonds at this point. I think yeah. her movie at AMC, which, by the way, I mean, this lady, is not only is she a fantastic artist, she is a kick-ass businesswoman. Apparently, every studio is like, hey, Taylor, fuck you. We're not going to yeah. distribute this shit. She's like, all right. Hey, AMC, you're a movie theater. Do you want to distribute this to your Exclusive movie theaters deal. exclusively? Yeah. Okay. $100 million fucking opening weekend. Yeah. I mean, not, it was not a, a bad fucking choice there. And, and, but where's, where's my uh, stock return dividends? Yeah. Come, come, come on, AMC. Let's go. I, I still got a lot of fucking useless stock with your dumb ass. Where, where are we at? Where, where's that Ares tour bump? Come on. Yeah. Um, what would be interesting, like there's a couple more quotes. I'll, I'll read through these real quick. Uh, actually, I think that these, skip the middle one yeah. unless you think it's worthy. But yeah, the, the last one I wanted the, to, to touch on a little yeah. bit. Yeah, the last one is, is key here. So um, Driver, Adam Driver, a.k.a. Kyle Ren, and, and Sean are apparently very close friends. So he was asked about could Kylo show up in your <laughs> film? He says, your word's not mine. As you know, Adam is a buddy, and I've always been a huge fan of Kylo Ren, but no comment. So this I find extremely intriguing. I've been on record saying that I think the best character in the sequel trilogy was Kylo Ren, and I don't think he was given enough screen time. Well, didn't we just like two weeks ago talk about how there's so much time still to cover that why not focus on a young, young Ben Solo? Exactly. Like there, there is an opportunity here. If there really is a relationship between Adam and Sean, and there is an intention on the Disney side and the Lucasfilm side of building out this timeline and, and, and giving further story to these characters, because obviously Kylo is dead. So you can't tell stories about Kylo slash Ben Solo or, you know, into the future. Like he's gone. You can't make a whole movie about a force ghost. Um, but what could be done is exactly what you said is, is kind of build out the character of, of Ben Solo in a way that gives a lot more context to the character that you see in the pre, in the sequel trilogy, you know, like you see this tortured kid and you see somebody who has, who has essentially fallen to the dark side on the altar of his grandfather and is is completely obsessed with Vader to a degree where he is is worshiping a, a burnt helmet that he has. Like tell, yeah. Tell who this. knows what he was doing with that helmet, Nick? I could see a little, like, you know, could be a lot of stuff. Oh, I oh, mean, granddaddy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but tell the story of how we got there. Like give us the context because I mean, like in the same for Ray. I mean, like. To a certain degree, you have that same open story opportunity for Ray because we know that Ray's parents abandoned her on Jakku. What led to that? Like, wh- why was she Ray and her, her Ray and her Sheev clone her, her, dad, her Palpatine parents? Yeah, like, no, Nick. I think we can just leave that to be the <laughs> exposition we get in Tross. Kylo yeah. definitely had the deeper, fleshed out story. The way poor Ray's uh, was kind of backwards into being a Palpatine. Yeah. But you're so, not wrong. I mean, l- listen, it, it would check every fucking box for people, right? I mean, yeah. it would potentially 
help fix the sequels like a lot of people want these TV shows and whatnot to do. It keeps the Skywalker family kind of front and center. Uh, and it explores the one character that was actually f- somewhat fleshed out in the sequel trilogy. Really the only character that was fleshed out in the sequel trilogy. So it, it would be a winner. I just, I, I think they're they're now leaving that era to TV, it seems like. Yeah. And it's it's impossible to do as well. Like just in terms of actually making that film. Because primary characters in that film are his parents on right, right. and one, Leia. One's dead, one's 90. Yeah. So like you, you just don't have the room to do that anymore. And I assume Luke Skywalker would also be a huge part of that, that, that movie as well, right. because Luke Skywalker is responsible for a large majority of Kylo's training. Um, so it's a movie that is based around Ben Solo as a character, but you know, and, and he would be the main character, but would be surrounded by the original trilogy cast. Which, and is, which you, are gone you just, or yeah. too old to play the that version of their character without it exactly. looking odd. And then you get into the idea, you know, like it's something that is going to be a hard conversation to have in the future of Star Wars that they keep developing the way that they're developing now is, do you recast? Do you do AI solutions or whatever for these characters. If you choose to keep telling stories about them, like, <laughs> hi, it's seen- my name is Luke Skywalker. I am here to train you. Ben solo. Prompt, yeah. Like prompt, I, I, prompt, wrong prompt. I Ben. So, it's you time know, to learn the force today. Like what, what's your, what are your options? If you choose to do that, like, do you, <laughs> do you look to Billy and you say like, Hey, do you want to take hey, up your mom's mantle and play, you know, play Leia? your mom? Yeah. Hey, Harrison, you looked somewhat not fake in Indiana Jones. You care if we do that again? Yeah. (laughs) Or do you just go to Alden? I mean, like, because the the answers are there for a lot of these characters. It's do you choose to enact them? I think you got to wait until Kennedy retires because then she draw a line in the sand. We're never going to recast legacy characters again. Blah. Yeah, I mean, and like that has really put them in a position to where this movie that could be really good can't be made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't know, like obviously you think, oh, well, if Adam Driver is going to be in it, he's got to play Kylo Ren. Yeah, well. But like he can play somebody else. Like he can, you know. The, and Adam, also, Adam Driver's like 6'6 six, six now. When when he was a, a teen, he probably wasn't 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. It's like you would have to tell that in multiple, you know, age timelines as well. So you would have a younger kid playing right, young right. Ben Solo. And then I don't know what the fuck you would do when you get to the store to the timeline where like Adam should start playing Kylo again. You would have to do some sort of like Man, just age him, regression, long hair, or maybe yeah, cut his like, hair or something like that. I, but like in terms again. of an era or, or a timeline Sean could dabble in, I, I don't hate it. I mean, there is there is still potential, but like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure this is that's the TV show's job now is to fill in that 38 year gap from Jedi to TFA. Yeah. Um, but hey, who knows? I mean, I, I guess it's encouraging that Sean is still working, still writing. But this is something like with the strike and whatnot, my friends were were three years, four years at best. Um, I still think we're, we're two to three years minimum 
to get any movie, even the ones that were somewhat cooking before the strikes happened. I, I just don't think Lucasfilm they're they're gonna take their fucking time whether we like it or not and maybe that's for the better but i i still don't think we're gonna have a star wars movie until 2026 or beyond yeah yeah i think it's gonna be quite a wait i mean we have to see what happens with this actor's strike and what comes out of these most recent negotiations but that is essentially a full stop on everything related to development of any sort of project um, until that gets worked out. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited that there, that there are at least discussions happening with creatives about continuing to make star Wars films, you know, positivity. Yeah. And, and I think that Sean Levy is a, is a very, it's a different type of person to approach than has been approached in the past by star Wars. Um, so I think that there, there, there's a lot of opportunity for him to really bring a different feel to the, to the movie that he makes. And, and hopefully that doesn't get like completely shit on, or they give him the room to, you know, to work and he doesn't have to be beholden to characters that people have attachment to what what Mando pirates saying here, you know, because he is friends with, with Tay Tay, you know, you bring in Tay Tay as a as a Twilight. I, I dig that. All right. <laughs> I think I think Taylor. I you know maybe the hair green, maybe the blue, and then uh, bring in Kelsey as like a Wookie, and we'll follow a Wookie and Twilight force relationship. Right? Yeah, go for it. Right, like like <laughs> the Wookie maybe is the Jedi Master, the Twilight is the Padawan. You never know. But if Tay-Tay is in it, it's going to make a ton of money. And that's all that Bob cares about. And that would open up the coffers for more movies. Print that cheese. Let's go Taylor! Taylor for Twi'lek. I love it. And plus, creepy people like myself would probably buy a poster of her in that. I just, like, like Taylor Swift, she really is a phenomenon. It's, it's insane. I mean, my little kid now, like, every week, hey, can we go to the movie? Can we go to the movie? Can we go to the movie? And I don't even think she knew who Taylor Swift was six weeks ago dude that's what i was gonna say is like taylor swift has always been like had like a level of popularity but now she she has gone like stratospheric dude she seemingly made four out of nowhere. billion dollars on her heiress tour four yeah. billion like yeah, and that woman is amazing and it, yeah, crazy. think about it it's pretty much all her like she writes her fucking songs the music she pretty much runs the business side of Taylor Swift. I mean, it is absolutely insane. Yeah. Four billion dollar in a year doing a tour, merch, a movie. Like it took George Lucas, his entire career, multiple, like, like literally created his own universe that people worship him over. And he was just barely able to sell it for $4 billion to Disney many years ago. Yeah, it's fucking did. intense. All right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll get to our, our, our last segment here before the fan segment. Like I said, this is going to be part one just because there's not really much to talk about. So we had to kind of uh, come up with some backups, even though I think we've, we've helped fill time today. But what we want to get into here, Nick, is part one of our Ahsoka season two what we need to see or what should happen narratively. All right. And the reason it's part one, we're looking at this from two separate 
narrative perspectives. So in part one, we're going to focus on the people that are marooned on Peridia. Next week, part two, we'll focus on the motherfuckers that are in the known galaxy, namely Hera, Ezra, and the New Republic et al. All right, so, Nick, we, we talked about this, and, and obviously a lot of this is going to hinge on Ahsoka even getting a second season. I think it, it does deserve one, minutes watch or not. Just you could tell the narrative was not even remotely finished, and a lot more story needed to be told for Dave to even to consider getting to a point to end the Mandoverse, cross all these things over. Um, so, yeah, we understand that a lot of this will hinge on Ray Stevenson and are they recasting Balin. But I, I, I hopefully accounted for this in my notes. So, like I said, we're, we're looking at the people stuck on Peridia, right, Nick? So we got Sabine and Ahsoka, to me, they'll be a narrative lens that stories will be told in season two. Shin mm-hmm. will be her own in her Tuscan Samurai, and then obviously Balin in his quest. So I just had a few ideas, wrote them down. We'll see what you have to think, see if you can add, agree, disagree, or tell me I'm stupid. But I think just in general, for at least for Ahsoka, we're going to have continued interactions with Morai, a.k.a. the Spirit of the Daughter, and Ghost Anakin. And yeah, you're probably like, oh yeah, no shit. The reason I, I, I focus on this is I, I do feel those four spirits and the fact that they made themselves present to Ahsoka in the finale, in the closing minutes, that wasn't just like, oh yeah, this is how we end the Star Wars movie. Yeah, you might get a little bit of that, but it was to reassure her that, yeah, you, you're, you're supposed to be here, just like she told Sabine. Forget about all that shit. Forget about not getting home, Ezra making it back, Thrawn making it back. This is essentially where we need to be. And then the force, the force through Morai and Force Ghost Anakin kind of reassured that. So, Nick, I, I, I feel those beings, those force beings may start to either lead her to whatever Balin is seeking to try and counter his meddling. Or they'll be the ones after he starts to meddle are like, oh, fuck, like you, Ahsoka, this now. Go. Yeah, like, I I think that they have to be involved. What I will say, what I would want more, instead of them being like, hey, go walk over towards where Balin is, is for her to get there herself. Like, like you have now, like, if she really has kind of taken well, this y- next y- step in her journey. Kind of, but, like, the owl would, like, be there, and she's walking, it disappears, and then she sees it, oh, and she's yeah. like, all I mean, right, like I'm just... on the right track. That's what I meant. Not like, hey, Ahsoka, go, but more like what you're saying. I'm just... Stupid. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like peeking in or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like even Anakin, like, maybe, like, checking in from behind a tree or something like that, but I don't, like, I don't want it to be like she's... Like they're guiding her. I feel like if she is the white now, if this is what her right, her she, next evolution of being is, be she should it. be able to to sense and know what to do on her own. Um, with them there as like, you know, is shit really going wrong? Do I need to jump in or, or something like that? Like just being kind of like background characters that that are like, you know, yeah. So, her so it, it's more like you're saying more like she will kind of turn to them for reassurance. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. This is what I'm doing, right? I'm supposed to be doing this, right, Anakin? Like what I'm feeling 
is not good. I need to seek it out. And he'd be like, yep, you're, you're on it. I, you don't yeah. need any help for me finding it, but yeah, you, you are right. You are sensing something deep within mm-hmm. possibly the birthplace of the force. Yeah. So yes, go for it. Like yeah, re- even, reassuring her more than showing her. Yeah. I mean, on the Anakin side of things, even like her being the one to broach, like this feels like where we were in, in the past like her bringing up Mortis and like yes, her being yes, the one right. to really approach him about it. Like saying like, does it, can you sense this? This feels like what we experienced on Mortis to me. It feels like the, you know, the connection that we had to those beings or something. Um, and almost having it and, you know, like Anakin being, like you said, a point of assurance, but not a point of like, oh, you should be feeling this. Why are you not feeling this flick, 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 flick. Yeah, okay, uh, I, I like yeah. that. And and really sticking with Ghost Anakin, I, I would like to see that bond kind of, you know, morph a bit more into kind of Luke and Obi-Wan, where, you know, Obi-Wan would would show up at, at certain times, just, just reassurance or say one thing that kind of helps her move to the next moment or where she is needed next. But yeah, I, 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 I would dig that type of... Um, bond between those two especially going over the mortis stuff you would think if we are going here which it very much looks like we are i I don't know how you can avoid the fucking literally a a civilization carving a mountain peak not just mount rushmore the whole fucking mountain range was carved into the gods of mortis all right. Yeah. So it's like we, we can't just ignore this. There's something going on, on this planet. As Balin was telling us through the teachings of the Jedi when they're young, which he, which he thought were fantastical stories, we have to assume they're saying, yeah, there's this planet called Peridia where the force was born. And these these gods oversee this conduit and, you know, all things the force pass through here. It, it, this this conduit of the force affects the force across all galaxy and time. So he took that and he ran with it. And, and you would have to think once Ahsoka realizes, like, all right, I know what he's getting into now. Anakin, you remember? Remember when I fucking died and I've got, like, the essence of one of them in me? What does this mean? Yeah. And be like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you died and I didn't become the father and that's why everything got fucked up. So <laughs> deal with it and, and fix this for me too, please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing I expect to see is the kind of the bond between Ahsoka and Sabine being refined, if not perfected. I'm talking like it, when, the next time we see them, it should be evident that like, okay, they figured their shit out. No more sad Sabine you know looking at at Ezra talking about his former master feeling all bad that she doesn't have that relationship I think they towards the end of this season Sabine is showing her force abilities Sabine staying with her master it shows her growth and I just think that's going to continue to the point where we see them we're gonna be like yeah that's a fucking master and apprentice right now like that is that would be a formidable duo to go up against at this point in time. Yeah, I, I definitely do want to see like, you know, fucking hopefully they get back to get like, you know, they, they can get back into the galaxy 
um, you know, and, and help Ezra at some point. But like, I do want to see the growth of them as master and apprentice for sure. Um, the training, you know, you essentially, you mentioned like the, the Boken Jedi training, um, model and like that kind of coming to fruition with Sabine. Y- I think. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously like, like what I was trying to say, Nick, and I know it doesn't make sense, but Sabine is going to feel much different than we than we saw her in in season one. I mean, naturally, she she had growth by the end of the season. So, I mean, that that's not like a big revelation, but I'm saying it's going to be even more different than that. We're we're still going to have that Mandalorian edge to her like she's not going to be in a fucking brown hood, you know, doing the Qui-Gon meditation left and right. But I think she's going to be way more focused way more in the moment and, and will embrace the force much more than we had seen her in season one to the point, like Nick was saying, she is going to be a new type of Boken Jedi. She not only is she now trained outside the temple, but she still has her fucking Mandalorian heritage baked into her. So as we said a few weeks ago, you know, fuck Rogu. We all thought he was going to be the next coming of, of Tar Vizsla. It's here. She's just stuck in a, a, on a planet, a mystical planet, possibly the birthplace of the Force, home of the Force. So the, 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 you know, the rest of the galaxy, her brothers and sisters of Mandalore don't know yet. But when we come back to Sabine, she should be that the full-fledged Jedi Mandalorian that Tar became. Yeah, uh, I think that that's kind of the path that she's on now. What's going to be interesting is like we said, leading up to Ahsoka, like she's all but shunned Mandalorians. Like she is chosen of her own will to not include herself in the reestablishment of Mandalore as a planet. I mean, like who knows if she knew about it, but like, I don't think that her storyline as it is now is leading towards a Tar Vizsla-esque character. Yeah, not like leading anything, but just she's, she's I don't know. Well, no, you're, not, you're probably not right. They're, they're not, not going to like leading. neuter the, the, the spirit of Sabine. I don't want to say that. Like, I, I just feel like she's going to be more focused, maybe. Like more embracing of the, of the force side of her than she was. More open to it. More open to what it meant to be a Jedi, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that what's going to end up happening is that she is going to embrace the Jedi within her a lot more, for sure. But, like, as as for her, like, taking up the mantle of Tar Vizsla, but not necessarily, like, in a leadership sense, I don't even think she has a desire from what, at least what we've seen so far in in Ahsoka and, and what we've been presented with, she doesn't even have a desire to to interact with Mandalorians anymore. Like, yeah, she's still wearing the armor and she's still, you know, like a, a Mandalorian by birth. But if you were really invested in the growth of the Mandalorian people again, then you would have been more present. Oh, than, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in, but- in, in that part of it. Let's say she does kind of have that hero's return like we're predicting, you know, maybe coming in at the last minute through a portal or whatnot, and, and, and the bows of the world are there. I mean, how sweet would that be for them to see 
this Mandalorian armor wearing motherfucker come through force throwing people, throwing lightsabers at people, having them come back, pulling out a blaster while the lightsabers in midair. I, I just, I want to see a fully fledged Jedi Mandalore. Like let's fucking go. And that's yeah. what I think we're going to get in Ahsoka season two. Like I, I think we are going to get that. And, you know, calling her Tar, probably the wrong words because he was the leader and ruler of Mandalore. I, I'm not saying she's going to have those aspirations. I just think she's going to be the fully realized version of those cultures. Something we haven't seen on screen, and that's going to be fucking killer. Now, sticking with Sabine Nick, I do think, even though I, I think her and Ahsoka's bond's going to grow, and she will be buying into Ahsoka saying, hey, we're supposed to be here. I do think ultimately, though, Sabine throughout season two is going to be the one that still has an eye on getting home. Even though she's sort of come to the realization that, hey, the force wants me here. I think she's going to be the one, especially once, as we think, Balin might open the, the doors of chaos. She'll be the one like, all right, we got to fucking get out of here. We got to warn everybody. Let's go, Ahsoka. Enough is enough. I, yeah. I do think she'll be the one kind of driving that even be, possibly even before Balin potentially completes his plan. Yeah, I, I, I do think so. I think that her, her focus for sure is going to be like, she's still going to be quite hasty in the beginning. I would imagine because she knows that Thrawn is back. She knows that only. Yeah, Ezra that, made that's it back. what I mean. Like she's like, not at Ahsoka's level. Like, oh yeah, let's just trust in the force. I, I don't think Sabine's there yet. Well, she's going to get there. That's the Sabine we're going to see. Like I've been saying, but Nick's right. I think early season, maybe even when Ahsoka's hanging out with a notey somewhere, Sabine's going to be like trying to rig one of their pods to get some sort of <laughs> you know intergalactic signal going down. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that. She is still very much like a what's in front of me focused type of person. So, um, yeah, I think that she'll she'll struggle with that for a bit. And, and then probably she still wants to like, fuck Ezra, even though they think they're brother and sister. <laughs> we put that clip out last week. It seemed to do OK. So I'm not the only creep out there that thinks these two want to slam. <laughs> Uh, Nick, this one you you kind of touched on here, but uh, Ahsoka via her deeper connections to the Mortis Morai will eventually lead her, them, the good guys towards whatever Balin finds, or at least alert her that, hey, you know that reason the Force put you here? Well, search a little here deeper because that other Force user on the planet that's talking about ending the, the cycle and going to the beginning... Well, he's about there and he's about to do the thing. So, yeah, go, <laughs> you know, like go now. Yeah, I think that that is for sure going to happen. I think that that has to like if that doesn't happen, then we're <laughs> then really what are our heroes still doing on Peridia if they're not here to like follow along and try to stop whatever's coming? So, yeah, I think that that for sure is going to is going to pop up in season two and um, will be that will end up being the primary storyline of the Peridia gang, yeah, I, essentially. I think yeah. so. So, like the first episode, two, maybe one, two episodes, there, you know, we're catching up life on Peridia, checking in with the Noti. You know, they've probably built their own little hovels by now, maybe a training montage, Sabine doing crazy shit with the Force. But yeah, I think eventually, either through Morai, the Force itself, or, you know, Anakin kind of nudging her. 
she's going to start to sense what what Balin is possibly thinking or getting into or got into. And then that'll pop off the main story. So kind of moving away from Ahsoka and Sabine and putting the focus on Shin now, because I do think she will she will have her own little narrative lens to help lead us through the second season. Remember, her and Balin are separated. He essentially said, I'm done with you. I can't help you anymore. Go find your own fucking path. And we know what, what that's going to be. So I think when, when we return to Peridia, see Shin in season two, she's clearly will have fully assume the mantle of leader of these these bandits the tuscan uh the tuscan samurai as we've been calling them um and because of this and because of the dynamic we already know existed between these bandits and the noti she'll probably be a bit of a thorn in ahsoka and sabine's side you know obviously nothing that they couldn't take on but they'll she'll probably because all she knows at this point is how to lead and warmongrel. She's she's probably gonna be, hey, what'd you guys used to do before I was leader? Oh, you'd fuck with the turtle motherfuckers? All right, well, let's go fuck with them. But like everything else on this planet, I think it's gonna become immediately clear, like, okay, we we gotta like refocus our personal goals and whatnot. And, and try to figure out what the fuck this planet is about and what Balin has tapped into. So I do think while that's how we're going to initially see Shin, I think deep down she's going to be struggling with her, her thoughts of abandonment and that she's still not a part of something greater, and that is going to affect her journey in season two. And, and it, Nick, I believe she's going to be one of these characters that's kind of left with the choice of do you want to fucking rethink your life and maybe listen to the likes of an Ahsoka or are you going to stick with this power grab and, and feeling like you're in control and kind of s- keep skirting on the, the dark side of the force. So um, I, I think we, we hopefully get more insights in the shin and actually feel her struggle. Cause for the most part, she was like a, an attack dog in season one. You know, we didn't really yeah. get any development from her. Yeah. What what I think would be more interesting for her instead of just like, well, now I'm your leader is something similar to what Fett went through at the beginning of like, oh, actually feeling a part of something. Yeah. Like, like actually understanding like, who you are as a person and that right. coming through connection with right. someone at like through someone else. Cause if she like, that would be kind of shitty if she, like, she just like shows up, raises her lightsaber and is like, well, I can kill all of you. So I'm just going to be your leader now because that <laughs> kind of looked like her, that, that was at least her initial plan. Huh? Yeah. Like, I mean like I'm that, here. that, that was like such a weird thing. Cause it's like, she raises her saber and they all look at her and I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what you're trying to achieve here because like, okay, like you walk into this camp and what, like you assert your dominance over these people and you're their leader. You don't even know who you are as a person. Like you don't even know who you are as an individual, not attached to something or somebody else. And I think what would be more valuable for her is to like, take the time to integrate herself amongst these people and really have an understanding of her as a person and as an individual and understand what her goals are. Like what are like, instead of just being like, I'm going to lead you, we're going to go run and and kill. And then look, Balin's doing something with that stuff. We have to go deal with that now. Like now she's just like, 
she's just doing to these people what she's been done to her whole life. Like she's just pulling them along to do whatever it is that she thinks they should well, be doing. This and she again should be doing. is you just saying what I tried to say in a much more intelligent <laughs> and clear manner. Cause that that's what I meant is like early on, I think she is going to be like that, that outwardly barbarian type of shit. Like, Oh, I'm just shitting la 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 la. But like I said, deep down, she is going to be struggling with this feelings of abandonment. As I think Ivana had said, like, listen, my character, she just wants to belong to something. You know, she wants to feel accepted. So I think that perfectly plays into what you're saying. And I dig that go, go the Boba route with the Tuscans where she actually becomes a part of the tribe. Cause Nick with that, she could then gain insights about Peridia and what happened, which means fans are gaining those insights in an intriguing yeah. manner versus it just being blah. Look, here it is. We could learn about why Peridia is so desolate in a wasteland now, why the great witch kingdom disappeared, why the great mothers wanted to get the fuck out of here, why it seems to just be these bandits and these turtles. What happened? So I, I think your point is fucking yeah. fantastic because that'd be a great I mean, way to deliver a ton of narrative a lot of information about this planet while also developing a a character that a lot of fans kind of latched on to yeah absolutely and you know there's there's also the big question of like does shin even want to go like like everybody is under the assumption that like all of the characters who ended up on peridia from the og star wars galaxy their goal is to get back to it in some way but like for shin like what's back there nothing like there's there's no reason for shin to yeah. even want to go back like shin could very much make a new life here and 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 become a part of this culture and help rebuild the like a society on this planet that was clearly being held down or suppressed by you know, the, the, the night sisters or like, you know, after Thrawn got here being controlled by Thrawn for his own uses, like she could be a part of a, of, of rebuilding a society on a planet that has essentially been forgotten by the universe. Um, yeah. So which I do you think would be interesting? Sorry. Do you think then yeah. I'm with you there? So I, I don't think Shin will be giving two fucks about what Balin is up to until I really think he's going to essentially be flipping a switch and everyone on the planet's going to be like, oh, fuck. But kind of like what Nick is saying, I think Shin is going to be so consumed with the sense of belonging and, and, and building up this tribe and, and, and just trying to make the best of her situation. Because as Nick said, it's not like she has anything waiting for her in a known galaxy. Why not be a queen here? It sounds like a, a, a pretty damn good life for yourself. So do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think... I don't think she's going to devote much energy at all to her former master oh, until you know. she is essentially forced to by him yeah. and whatever he unleashes. Yeah, exactly. Like it'll become her problem when it becomes everybody else's problem. And then that'll, you know, it'll become essentially like the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation with her in the, in the bandits or her in the, you know, the, the Peridian Tuscans. And then, you know, Ahsoka's crew and the Noti. It's gonna it's gonna kind of be a we we have to all come together to do this because if we don't, then we're all gonna die. Okay. 
So, yeah, that, that yeah. was kind of my my next point. Then it's like I I think eventually, through whatever Balin unlocks, unleashes, ends. I don't know which word to use yet. <laughs> yeah, that 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 Shin, Ahsoka, Sabine, at all will kind of have to coalesce together, right? Like they're. I think so. Yeah, yeah. they're 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 gonna have to kind of get their shit together and figure out like, okay, what do we do now? Can we put this thing back in a box or is it so fuck that we need to figure out how to get out of here so we don't die so we can let everyone else know in the, in the fucking universe that this has happened, be it yeah. the, the unleashing of, of Abeloth again, uh, Balin taking control of the force, Balin killing the force, which he can't technically do because we have force still happening many years beyond this timeline. So it's probably not going to be that uh, real quick. Sorry about that. B Matt. Thank you for that uh, super chat. We love you, buddy. You're too kind. B Matt essentially at this point in time is the president of the SWTS fam club. Yeah, no. no one can take it from him. He is number one fan. Thank you. Right. Um, what I think would also be interesting with the storyline is, I mean, if you remember, and I don't need you, like for some of you who have played KOTOR, it's probably been a while, or for some of you, some of you who haven't, like KOTOR established that the Tuscans on Tatooine were not from Tatooine, that they came from somewhere else. So I want to see if they go down that narrative story path and like, are they potentially like the Night Sisters from Peridia yeah, dude. And, and found their way into Fantastic. the Fantastic. And it, it makes sense within the narrative set forth in season one. I mean, one of the great mothers literally said, or I think it was Morgan, actually, those were the motherfuckers, the, the, the Night Sisters of Peridia, the witch, the witches. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that figured out Pergils in intergalactic travel. And as we, we I've been asking at least, why did they leave and set up shop on Dathomir then? Were they a, a, a civilization that was looking to kind of seed the galaxy? Or were they trying to escape an impending doom? Yeah. So I, that's brilliant. Like they'd been traveling for thousands and tens of thousands of years is what Morgan kind of made it sound like. So, you know, Nick, what if they were, what if people were coming back with them and, and staying on Peridia, like, like the Tuscans yeah, or the Noti? I mean, what, what if they seeded them from other planets or if they are natives? I mean, that's a very interesting thing to think about because, and that's what we could get from Shin and the Tuscans. Hey, what, tell yeah, me about exactly. your culture, your history. How'd you get here? We don't know. We were brought here. We only knew about those gods. And now that, that one God died and everything fucking started to go squirrely here. The witches started to leave and blah, blah, blue. Um, I, I like it. I like it. Start writing this shit down. Let's go. We'll, we'll send our notes to Filoni tomorrow on the hotline. I got it right here. They got the red phone, right? That's my Darth Maul skull. Just Dave speed dial. Okay. Um, Balin. All right, so Balin's stuff, we, we've shifted to his narrative point of view, and, and really this is where things get super itchy because it changes completely depending on the decision to recast or not. So the first few points here, Nick, are Balin recasted. So, so we're just going to mm-hmm. talk about it as if, um, you know, Mr. Stevenson did not pass or they're going to bring in a, a new actor to fill his shoes here. So... You know, obviously, it's very easy for Balin 
He's been on a journey since the very first episode of Ahsoka. We didn't realize what the exact journey was until the very last moment. But we now know he is headed to what we all are uh, speculating is the Mortis Monastery. All right. Potentially even the same one that Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka got transported to way back in the Clone Wars. Either way, it's very important to the gods of Mortis. It's very important to the Force itself. Right? Mortis, all that shit, the gods of Mortis, they, they were essentially the keepers of the Force, the balance of the Force. However, they were feeling essentially dictated how the galaxy was going to feel and how things were going to play out. If the brother was winning, shit was going to be shitty. If the daughter was in play, shit might have been a little more positive. Uh, you know, when daddy felt like kind of quieting things and, and with Abelos help, the mother, things were perfect, right? We were in balance. So clearly picking up with recasted Balin, Nick, we, we're just... I don't even think we have to show him getting there. You could be episode one, scene one, Balin. He's standing right at that mountain we saw him looking at at the very end, right? Like he, he's, he's there. He's looking up at the glowing light, the potential monastery. Uh, he has made it to what we are potentially uh, predicting to be the Mortis Mondis, Monastery. Yeah. Right? Or, I... or do, do we give him some time to adventure there? Or... Since we kind of skipped him in episode seven and eight and just moved him, right? Oh, now you're here. Yeah. Now you're here. Do they keep that up, Nick? Or do do we, with recasted Balin, potentially get a bit more of his journey to the Star Wars version of Mount Doom? I think that it would be valuable to see more of the journey because his timeline is what expedites everybody else's timeline. Correct. Correct. Like, so if he shows up there and if like episode one, he's already there, that means that the downtime there is to like tell story for Ahsoka's crew and Shin and her gang is extremely limited. Good point. Because he's there and shit's about to go down probably soon within the next episode or two. But what I think would be cool is up to this point, we have no idea what is motivating his movement towards yes. this mountain, like towards this monastery. Like all we know is that there is something calling to him or there is something that he knows is there. So what would be really cool is like, if we do get a couple episodes of journey or, or however long they choose to do it and you can hear if there is something that is literally speaking to him if you hear that, like you get more perspective, like his perspective, and then you can hear like what is drawing him in because then as an audience, you can, you can be a little bit more educated in your guess as to like, I is this it. like Abeloth? Is this like something that is pretending to be the gods of Mortis that is drawing him in? Or is he really being drawn there by the potential of oblivion by the pen? Like potential right, from his childhood stories at the temple. Like, is he fully motivated by now that he knows pretty is real? He is here. You would think if he was hearing those tall tales as a as a as a youngling, he's like, well, that's going to keep me driving. The tales haven't lied to me yet. Pretty is a real thing. So this also has to be real. I'm with you. If we go with the other way where something's speaking to him, are you essentially we, we could potentially get narrative exposition 
in a similar setup to Frodo and the One Ring, right? How yeah. the, we you can yes. actually hear in the movies the ring is is weighing him down. It's speaking to him when he puts it on. You can hear the whispers, and he's in the shadow world, something like that, right? Where yeah, we the audience kind of can learn a bit more about his motivations and in, in this mystery through the weight of whatever power is calling him. Exactly. I think that that would be such a valuable point of view for us to understand. Because like, if, if, if we, if we just end up there and like, he's like, okay, well I'm here. Boom. Let's get this shit going. We really never, we would never understand the motivation for him to get there. And I think that that's super valuable, especially for a character like that, who has been so single-mindedly focused on this from the moment that we met him is like really bring us in on what is that, that motivating factor for him to get there. So I think that would be really, I mean, cause I guess he really hasn't said exactly why we think, I mean, he, he clearly has an issue with light and dark, like the rise of the Jedi, which only gets toppled by bad guys. And then the bad guys get toppled by the good guys. And then those get top like that. That's the cycle he was talking about ending. So Nick is right. Like what, what is he, why does that bother him? Like what happened to him? Who died or, or what did he lose that is, is driving him to do this? And to go back to Nick's point, you know, it could actually be a, a third style, right? It, it, you know, you, you talked about he could be guided by a voice. He could be guided by his knowledge that was given to him as a youngling. But what if it's a combination, Nick, to where up until getting the Peridia, it's all been based on his belief system that he learned about as a youngling. But when he gets there and as he gets closer, you know, we're, we're following him along this journey, like you said, one ring shit starts to happen to him where he's even starting to go like, Oh shit. Like, is, is this, is this what's supposed to happen? Like, I know what I'm walking towards, but this seems off. Should I keep going? Am I too far deep at this point already? Like, have I been manipulated the whole time where he almost comes to the realization like, Oh fuck, I haven't been in control at all. Yeah. I mean, I think that could be super, cool as a storyline especially if it is abeloth like that that would be the best like where he thinks all along he's he knows what he's getting into based on what he was told as a child but then when he gets there it's a big bamboozle reveal like oh shit yeah i'm a rube because what i don't think his his goal is is for like destruction like if you just i I will I, i because i watch this shit a lot more than you do he does he did say to ahsoka when they were fighting essentially i I forget the exact quote nick but it is more along the lines of sometimes you need to tear down something before you can rebuild something better so it did sound like he wanted to end something especially when he got the pretty is like listen do you feel it this is the beginning this is where i can end the cycle so yeah, but it, it just, still plays into your point. Like we we really don't know what he's thinking about or what drove him there to want to end cycles or or yeah. stop this or that. The other thing. Is it a voice or is it what he thinks he's going to run into? Yeah, because like my thing that I was going to point to is like he kept like he he has a moral code that is based around like he clearly doesn't like to kill people. Like he, that's just not his bag. 
and that he also still looks up to the the ideal that the Jedi Order was. He was like, I loved the ideal of it. And if you think of like, what is the ideal of the Jedi Order? It is a group of people who are focused on squashing out darkness and in, in conflict or like darkness in the galaxy. So like his 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 ideal is a situation where there is peace throughout the galaxy and and there is no darkness to rise up to to squash the light and like it, it almost feels like that that's kind of like what in like maybe in his mind like well that is what i want to get to but the only way that i can get to it is by unleashing this fucking huge like like this this pure force of chaos to just reset everything like maybe that's it but it is so hard to really understand his motivations because we don't know what he's working towards right, or right. what he like what information that he is yeah, working can, off of. We can just speculate that if he's purely going off of the tall tales he learned as a youngling, they were more more than likely revolved around, hey, th- this planet out there, this is the home of the force. Like this is it. And if you get there, the power you can achieve is insane. And yeah. he, he could be working towards that. And, and his goal, Nick, could be, I'm either going to take it for myself and show everyone how the force should be used, or I'm going to snuff it out so no one gets it. Yeah. there's, Or it could be or- what we've been talking, where he thinks he's going there to do something, but in the end, it was a nefarious force directing him there, yeah. and he's actually going to unleash hell and literally let out chaos in physical form via Ebeloth out into the universe again. And remember, yeah, I mean, all force users hated her. She was bad news, like real bad, the devil, essentially like fuck everybody. You all need to die. The only way I'm satisfied is if the gal, if the universe is in total chaos. Yeah. So, I mean, he may even have the idea of like, you know, understanding that there are, you know, essentially like icons that have taken the place of the light, the dark and the moderate side of the force. Like his goal could be to go there and kill the brother. Like, you know, he, he may look at it as like, if I can kill the brother, then I kill the darkness in the galaxy and we can get back to a place of, of like moral light to where there is no, there is no constant, darkness that is looming over everything like we don't know and that's what makes him the most interesting character is like we know what his his goal is is to get like his physical goal is to get to this monastery but we don't know what his moral goal is or we don't know what his ideal situation is once he gets there Um, i I do like i will say while i agree that he's not a traditional villain i don't think what he is planning to do is ultimately for good though. Like in his head, he might think it's, it's the right way to achieve good, if you will. But what what he's going to do is, is not good in, in any sense. Even if he is just going to go there and try to have a chat with the spirits of the father, the daughter and the brother, whatever he's doing here, he is going to fuck something up. Big oh, time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to have bad consequences, Big time. <laughs> but it it is what's interesting is like, what is his, what is his intent 
like yeah, not out, his motivation. Outside of, yeah, outside of what he has stated, what what is it really? You know, we all say things on the outside, but on the inside, we we're usually a bit deeper than that. So yeah, it, it is like, like it, w- ultimately, what what is his goal here? Does he think that he can control the force? Does he know that there's something there that can do it for him or influence for him? Or hell, maybe he does believe in the stories of the mother and he feels that the the, the galaxy does need a bit of chaos for a little bit yeah. of time. He could so, be yeah. completely off the fucking rails. Yeah, Mo- motivation is clear. Intent is very unclear. Right. Like, how are you going to go about getting to your end? So we'll see. And, and I do. I, I really think the most interesting take would be and it would pay off on 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 the you know the the skull and hati allegory that Dave clearly went with here that he does think he's going to do something righteous but he's actually going to unleash Ragnarok mistakenly uh, which you know why i think a lot of people are are, are turning right into the abeloth theories cuz that makes the most sense like he he's I don't know how how Shin's going to play in and, and kind of pay off on that allegory. Clearly, it's still in play. But if you if you haven't heard it yet, the the in Norse mythology, these wolves, one chases the sun, that would be Balin. The other chases the moon, that would be Shin. And all eventually, as they catch their targets, that's when the fucking world ends. So um, he he thinks he's doing the right thing, but he is going to be gravely mistaken. And I, I think I kind of covered most of the other things here. I mean, obviously, like you said, Nick, once Balin's stuff really ramps up, he is going to refocus the other main characters on Peridia. That's pretty clear. I do think they will unite even begrudgingly to try and uh, maybe not even stop him, try to contain what's happening, and then realizing, uh-oh, we got to go. Like, we're worth it. We are the the... The, what's his name? We are the Paul Revere of this motherfucker. Yeah. We've got yeah. to get back and let them know that this shit is about to happen. Um, the other thing here, I, 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 now that you've kind of talked about it, I, I, I'm sticking with it. It makes more sense now that you said, hey, Balin's got to have a little bit of a slower roll here. But I, I think the shit hitting the fan will be like episode seven or, or eight, like end of end of season stuff to really kind of go uh oh okay we need to shift the narrative away from pretty and 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 back over to whatever is going to happen in the mandoverse crossover so yeah and like so i think what because like what this is all working towards and we know what it's all working towards is supposed to be this movie crossover and the movie crossover if abeloth is the end goal of the peridia thing then the movie crossover is going to be focused on that almost entirely um, and it, it, it will be so bad if it, if it is like what everybody is describing it to be, and I'll just be upfront. Like, I don't really have a background on what Apoloth is. I didn't read the stuff around that character from the old EU, but if it is a Ragnarok level event, then it's going to be like even fucking Thrawn and the Night Sisters are going to have How funny would f- that be, Nick? I, I love that you said that. If... All along, we're thinking like, oh, yeah, the conflict, it's so simple. It's going to be Thrawn versus the New Republic again. What if, I think this is where you're going, it's the remnant through Thrawn has to team up with the New Republic to battle 
yeah, this unknown force. That would be exactly. fucking wild. I mean, like it's the same thing as whatever. Like it's the same thing as what I said with Shin and Ahsoka's gang. It's like, okay, well, we're not necessarily friends. We're kind of enemies, but there's this big other thing right. that we have to deal with. So we have to work together. And it'd be the same thing in the standard, like in the regular star Wars galaxy. If you know, Abeloth gets out and it's like Galactus level, fuck you, fuck everything yeah, type you, of deal. No more petty like, squabbles. It's yeah. Time like to, what's Thrawn? Like Thrawn's gonna be like, well, I'm just going to let it win because if it wins, then we all lose. Like it's a <laughs> well, lose, lose. You're, for yeah. Him. Your new Thrawn would probably say that tic-tac-toe yeah, I mean, Thrawn like, would do that. <laughs> new, new Thrawn would be like, well, if I attack it from this end and then I, the other thing attacks it from, then we'll definitely beat the new Republic. But then he doesn't realize cause he's so dumb that like this thing is killing all everybody, not I, man, just how the people that you don't like. Wild would it be if they actually go this route? I mean, I, I wasn't even thinking about it, but it would be fucking awesome. I mean, I mean isn't the, this sort of what is it the Yuzon Vong? I mean, isn't that kind of what this would be to where they they show up in the known galaxy and just start wasting everybody? Or oh yeah, it's like a galactic level fuck everything event. Yeah, but but did, to did the I mean you got, was the the empire was gone at that point though, right? Or, yeah, the or empire, was there the like empire a was far gone? Was there a remnant, or was it just the good guys had to fight no, the Yuzon Vong? There wasn't any. As far as I can remember, there was no Imperial remnant. This is after Heir okay. to the Empire and All Thrawn right. by like a long degree. This is when like like the Solo and Skywalker kids were around. Like Correct. Jason and Jaina Solo I mean, were Chewbacca like technically all, gets waxed, right? Yeah, he get he gets wasted. So like this is this is far beyond like Thrawn. Okay. So what what we're spinning would be better because yeah. it would be it would be the, literally the remnant and the New Republic. Fresh off of a civil war is essentially going, hey, um, yeah, I mean, well, it, I know Thrawn, you're back and we really want to kill you, but we also need you because this thing is going to eat our galaxy. Yeah. And honestly, if you look at it in a future looking narrative sense, there has to be a reason that the First Order is still around, right? Like First Order is still around as a known entity in the New Republic government. Correct. Like it's not like an underground thing. Like I've said, I said this like a couple like episodes ago, the New Republic is a part of, or the First Order is a part of the New Republic government. The only reason that that would exist in the New Republic government is if there was something that happened that would have brought an end to the immediate conflict between whatever the First Order was before it was the First Order and the New Republic. And what would that be? This whole thing. Like, Abeloth coming in and forcing... The, the Imperial Remnant to work together with the, 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 uh, the New Republic would then put them in a situation to where after Abeloth is, is taken care of, what do you, like, both sides have to make a choice. What are you going to do? Go back to war with each other? Like, go from one war to another one? And just, like, just say, fuck it, like, whoever dies, dies? Or do you choose at that point to just say, like, hey... Everything was just super fucked up. Like maybe we just let bygones be bygones and find a way to coexist in this galaxy together so we don't have another period of just absolute destruction and mayhem. I dude, 
I dig it. There's no way this will ever happen. It's almost <laughs> too intelligent and creative for Star Wars, especially Star Wars TV. But yeah, I'd love it. And really the, the, the end, like how the conflict ends, we go all the way back to Rebels, Ezra, Thrawn, they team up and sacrifice themselves to get the killing blow. Done. Yeah, I mean, print it. Th- like, like that could be a fantastic way to bring this whole, <laughs> yep, like this whole Mando verse to a like conclusion, quote unquote. But really, like to a certain degree of conclusion. But then also really set up the future well. But I don't know if that's and what mind you the whole on. time this is going on. Luke Skywalker is hanging out watching his temple being built by robots. Like he doesn't yeah, exactly. give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, uh, they'll handle it. He's like, who cares, dude? I mean, I don't Whatever. give a shit. That, that little Grogu fuck left me, and I'm feeling all sorry for myself. Yeah. I can't get any new recruits. I'm just sitting here with R two D two, the same droid I've been with since I was nineteen. So, all right. Well, there you go. Hey. It's fan segment time, people. We're gonna get things moving here. We've we've hit seven thirty. As always, I, I kind of miss time how much Nick and I will talk about random shit. But we got through part one. We'll be coming at you next week with part two, which is gonna shift the focus over to the known galaxy. So we're gonna look at it from the the lens of Hera, Ezra, and the New Republic, and then obviously Thrawn and the Remnant. So make sure to tune in next. Actually, just kidding. Next week we may be moving. I gotta talk to young Nick after the show. Uh, it's uh, Halloween next Tuesday. I still got oh, a little yes. kid, so um, I'm going to be out doing that type of shit. So we'll figure it out, but we will have a new show for you at some point next week. Before we get there, though, we'll get the old tried and true SWTS fan segment. We do it every week. We give you two opportunities to come here and play with us. Not in that fashion, people, you sickos, but to have some fun on the live stream. First view the question of the week, which we will post on Instagram at Star Wars Time dot show, both in our profile and stories. And then the top five where we honor a week's worth of art submissions from the Star Wars fan artist community. All right, Nick, so to start things off here, question of the week is two weeks old and still barely has any responses, so... Uh, We can probably get through these pretty quick, but it it plays into what we were talking about today. We asked the fans, what do you want to see in Ahsoka Season 2, Nick? And of course, we can rely on our diehards like Sir Dork, 2797, Tones and the likes, Mando Pirates in there. But outside of that, these have fallen flat on their faces. So go ahead. What did they have to say about Ahsoka Season 2? Indeed. So Sir Dork says... Would love to see how Ezra and Grogu would interact. Maybe next week we'll talk about it. Yeah, could get into that. Um, 2797 Studios says season two would have to be pretty epic. Ahsoka's continued development in connection with Anakin's Force Ghost. Got it. The Peridia crew working their way back home. Got it. Ahsoka and Sabine's bond getting stronger. Got it. Balin and his journey to the Mortis Gods. Got it. Zeb. Next week. Bendu. No. I don't know if Bendu's going to come in. <laughs> Two. Bat is so focused on Bendu. He's like, Bendu is on his mind at all My times. Man, Bendu. Uh, he could he says I could see Peridia being the original home planet of Bendu. Got it. How Ezra's return affected things in the New Next Republic. Week. And finally, Chopper returning to his murderous ways. Maybe so. Week. Maybe you get some death chopper on there too. Sure. 
Uh, good stuff there from Bat. Uh, next up, Rippic Tan says some wacky ass force related mystics and Hondo. Hondo, I, Hondo let's not sleep on Hondo being in Skeleton Crew, especially with that known connection to pirates. All right. I'm not. There's always a chance. I mean, if anything, just take the fucking animatronic from Galaxy's Edge and just stick it in and a few scenes. You know what I mean? Prop it up in yeah, there. Come on. Yeah. No, I mean, it does make sense for him to pop up in Skeleton Crew for sure. Some, some form or fashion. Who knows? Um, all right. Next up, T.G. Vaughn says, Zeb! Zeb! I mean, he's got to make it back at some point, right? Unless they, they've totally forgotten Yeah, I mean, hopefully they, 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 the Zeb CGI piggy bank is being filled up every day, and they will have enough pennies to make sure that happens in season two. 100%. All right, next up, Mando Pirate says, I want to see Ahsoka, Sabine, Shin, and Balin's journeys on Peridia. Got it. I'm excited to see what they do about Balin. I Got also it. want to see what's going on in the main Star Wars galaxy and how the New Republic is going to deal with Thrawn's return. Next week, we'll fill you in. We will. And then no, EKU Rory. Asshole. Yeah. Grandpa Jar Jar. I mean. I think I'm going to, I might have to block him from the account here. <laughs> Grandpa Jar Jar, Jar Jar, I think is like, he's dead, right? Canon? Like he was, he like died as uh, not, a destitute. Not dead, but yeah, he was just kind of like a, a street performer hanging out. So yeah, his, so. his glory days of, it doesn't sound like uh, his mom's daughter invited, or no, it doesn't sound like his buddy <laughs> Padme's daughter invited him to rejoin the Senate after no. the rebellion. I think what EKU Rory really wants is just like a full Gungan focused series. Just like what's going on with the Gungans. Oh, no, he's, he's creepy. Really- he wants like a, he wants an X rated Gungan porn is what he's going yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Misa Usaka yo pee He needs to link up with Matthew Vaughn and they need to work together <laughs> on rebooting the prequels Re- with way more. Gungan focus. Like right, that's here's something. Here's something to leave everyone with. Reboot the prequels. Oh, boom! Reboot the prequels. That, Do it. That shit could use a rebooting, my friends. Hayden's not that reboot. old yet. Neither is you, and neither is Natalie. Just fucking do yep. it again. Just do it again. Give it to Matthew you Vaughn. Even, you can get crazy Ray Park out there again if he's not on social media fucking up his his marriage or whatnot he was yeah. doing at a few this months point ago. just just put sam witwer in there just put yeah, the better sure. mall in sure. there <laughs> so all right well thank uh, you that's question of the week let's go ahead and get things switched up for the top the five top nick five. yeah well, i'm doing that go Star ahead and Wars do all that fun fan stuff. artist features of the week to get involved with this segment make sure to Add tag at starwarstime.show on your Star Wars Instagram posts. Uh, They will fall into our tagged feed, and that's where I pull the top five from. Um, While you're at it, use the hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Real quick, I know we're on a quick time here, but uh, this week, Nick, someone tagged us. I put them in the fucking video, and then they sent us a message that they were going to submit a, a DMCA request. So it's like, idiot. <laughs> you tagged what, us. What do you want me to do, people? And it really is like, why? Why do I even do this anymore? Like, like we'll just start also, sharing, just start sharing the fucking clips, and maybe we'll get our our algo juice of the day from that versus doing these damn real videos. Like, I think that people really just. 
like I think what probably happened with that dude is he just copied somebody else's stuff. I have no idea, it, but he's an idiot. So it, it was well a done. it was a female, and let's just say they definitely far left. Like it was, I got dressed down oh, like I was Hitler. It was insane. Like I was oh, like, hmm. it's a wonder we've had such this horrific reaction on the far right when when you have this type of shit on the left even though like listen they're not even close to the same like the left they just they get a little aggressive with how you how you talk to people and treat people or on the right they're literally fucking insane but it was it rubbed me the wrong way it's like fuck everybody you know fuck you it's like fuck you and your righteousness and when you put shit on instagram guess what read read the fine print you don't own shit anymore you know who owns your content meta that's right. So fuck off. <laughs> All right. All sorry right. about that. Go ahead. Who we got first? The first oh, a one staple in the here. top five an all for this star. week. Yep. It is. It's a staple. It's an all-star. It's one of our favorites. It's 97 Parsex Photography. 97 underscore Parsex underscore Photography on the Instagram. And he's given us an awesome shot of some of, uh, like, some of the more obscure characters here in the Star Wars universe. We have... Black Kersantan absolutely taking to task Ponda Baba and Dr. Cornelius Ezevan, uh, also known as the two people who uh, accosted Luke Skywalker in the most Eisley Cantina in the beginning of episode four. I know, like, um, it, it's almost like grief hired him to just kick these shitheads off of Navarro, of, right? Off Navarro, exactly. Yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, what we see is Black Chrysanthemum's got Ponda Baba thrown completely over his shoulder, just carrying him out of Navarro, the Navarro Cantina, like a small child. He's dragging Doctor Ezevan along by his collar as well, and in the background you see Grief Karga there. Just uh, yeah, it almost looks like he's about to clap as as oh, yeah. as Black Chrysanthemum yeah. is taking Get these, these assholes out. out of here. Oh man, so. Uh, awesome shot here from 97 Parsecs Photography, one of our favorites, as Matt said, in the Star Wars Time Show community. So, good stuff. Ah, it was nice, it was nice to see uh, VAP show up in the feed again. I think, you know, we yes. sometimes we got forgotten, especially after our big account got nuked in July, but it is nice to see Visual Approach Photo back in here. Visual Approach and, Photo. And Nick, man. I'd argue that this, this is us. Because remember, at one point in time, when we were the biggest not Star Wars fan podcasts out there in the toy community. He would do these setups with the troopers getting fucked up. And it was always yeah. you, you and I, it was Matt and Nick, the troopers. So <laughs> I would like to think that this is still us and I'm the one getting shot in the background. here. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's an awesome shot at visual underscore approach, underscore photo of two stormtroopers in the heat of battle on solaced as he's told us in his caption. Um, but it is an awesome shot. Uh, this trooper in the background clearly took a shot to the chest and is in mid fall. Uh, the trooper in the foreground in a good kneeling position, firing off at the enemies who just took out his buddy. And as always with visual approach, the, uh, the post-processing effects and all of the, the effects in the shot are top notch really good stuff and there's some good behind the scenes in there as well if you scroll through he's actually got like an alternate here. shot i like that that low light shot's pretty, pretty yeah the low light too. got an add it add st in the back mm-hmm. so yeah good stuff here from at visual underscore approach underscore photo 
again, one of our favorites. You know, it's weird. Um, I actually, I started editing old toy picks again. I don't know if that's a sign of anything, Nick, but just this past weekend, I picked up the iPad. I realized, shit, I still have like 15 raw shots on here from <laughs> last year that I never edited. So you, you never know. Check out at Haywood Pop might start seeing some toy photography. Spark again. has been reignited. There you go. Somehow. Haywood yeah. Pop has returned. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So good stuff there from Visual Approach. Next up is at Cinebade, S R C I N E B A D E. This could be what we're and talking about next week. Could be. It could be. What we have here is a future looking shot from Cinebade, and it is a shot of Ahsoka, Ezra, and Luke Skywalker accompanied by their droid companions, R2-D2 and Chopper. And they're all looking skyward at a potential galaxy ending enemy. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a really well posed shot by Cinebade here. And it really does uh, potentially give us a view into what we could be seeing in this ultimate Mando crossover film. All of our heroes are, are, Force-sensitive Jedi heroes coming together to defeat a big bad, potentially Abeloth, yeah, I, that is I'm, looking to destroy the galaxy. I'm not going to lie. It, it's not going to happen, but an Ezra meeting Luke moment would be brilliant. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, dude, they're the would... same age. Ezra essentially was doing Luke Skywalker shit before Luke even know, knew he was going to get mixed up in a galactic conflict. Uh, I, I think that you know they're 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 tinkerers, right? They're they're pretty decent at the force. Although Honestly, although dude, this Luke would probably creep Ezra out. Ezra would be like, yeah, your kinda. sister was way more chill and relaxed than you are, dude. Like, no, dude. I mean, people <laughs> have been looking. They're like, who's the new Kyle Katarn? Like, where's Ky is Kyle Katarn going to come back? Oh yeah, and, you're like, right. It's it's Ezra Bridger. It, it's Ezra. Like hey, the new Kyle Katarn is Ezra. Like. You know, for those of you who don't know who Kyle Katarn is, he's the guy who helps Luke reestablish the Jedi Order. One of the first people that are trained after Luke reestablishes himself as a teacher. Like, it could be Ezra. Ezra could be that that replacement right there. So, awesome. yes. Sorry, my our little friend just showed up here. She was showing me. She got her lacrosse kit for this weekend. We parents nice. out there, this is going to be my first all day weekend tournament i'm so excited can you tell <laughs> by the inflection in my voice it's not like there's a buckeye game or anything on saturday <laughs> yay support your kids yay <laughs> yeah no nick sorry about It'll that she fun, she kind of cut you off i i was still hearing it all i was you know i wasn't even thinking about that but you're you're 100 spot on like uh, ezra could fulfill the kyle role hanging out with Luke, rolling through the temple in between, you know, missions. It would be excellent. It would be. It would be good stuff. But, hey, who knows? And if you scroll over on the Cinebade thing, on the Cinebade post, uh, they, they superimposed a good go. Ahsoka logo So, look, there just like I said, Ahsoka season two, this is going to be a scene we'll talk about next week. That's right. So good stuff there I at love this Cinebade. One. This next on one's Instagram. fucking everything, dude. This, this one's so good. This one here is from Chava. Chava.Fernando. And you know what? Everybody needs a leisure day, even Darth Vader. And what's what does Vader love to do on his leisure day? Just a casual bike ride yeah. through a sunny and like a sunny city side, trees in the background, 
He's he just needs a breath of fresh air. That's all he needs. It, it it's just such a perfect image. I mean, really, anytime you put <laughs> Darth Vader in just a mundane day to day situation, like Nick said, he's he's literally riding a mountain bike that has like a street bike handle on, it, so they they got the you know the curves there. So if you really want to stand up and race, and he does. I mean, Darth Vader, even though you can't see his facial expressions, he looks as calm. And at peace, as we've ever seen the Dark Lord of the Sith out here on a sunny day, taking in the rays, enjoying the green leaves and getting (laughs) a few pumps on his bike. It just I I fucking love this shot. dude. This is what we need in a rebooted Star Wars. Yeah, Vader riding in the the OT reboot right here. (laughs) We just need to see Vader's downtime. You know what? What does he do when he's not on the Death Star, when he's not on the Super Star Destroyer? And when he's not, you know, choking out Imperial uh, officers because they don't listen to him. What what does yeah, what what Anakin Vader do? Like, Nick, as this scene's going on, he's riding his bike, you get thought bubbles, and he's like, well, if I would have just stayed with Padme, I could be teaching Luke and Leia how to ride their first bikes on their training wheels. You know, just, you're right. Like, we, we need this. We need, <laughs> we need downtime Vader season one. That's right. Good stuff here at Chava.Fernando on Instagram. Well, well done. And the final one in the top five this week comes from Mr. Stormtrooper Davis. And this is this is more like the Vader that we know. So this is a scene recreation Stoic from Vader. the Kenobi series. And he's done a really great job using a mix of Digirama and uh, a practical diorama that he's got set up here. Um, to really recreate that moment at the in the Vader or the Kenobi finale, the final showdown between Vader and Kenobi, the the giant spire rocks in the background, the huge rocks that both Vader and Kenobi use in that fight, the ultimate duel at the end of the show. And what this shot shows is just imposing stoic Vader standing there amongst this uh, amongst these rocks and amongst this this landscape with his lightsaber ignited, ready to take on his former master once again. Yeah, it's just a really good digirama here. You know, Mr. Stormtrooper, they got some stuff in the foreground that try to tie the, the digital screen into the scene, and it works. I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, Vader always looks good. It, it's that damn flare on the lightsaber that's really does kind of selling this shot. And I know that sounds silly, but sometimes just a... A very minimal effect in post, or even if you can capture it in frame, it is always going to take a shot to the next level. And that's what Mr. Stormtrooper Davis has accomplished here with good old Darth getting ready to kill his former master. Or at least try that's until right. Obi-Wan's like, no, I have the power. That's Rocks right. are my friends. You will die. Is Good shot here at Mr. Stormtrooper Davis to close us out for this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. So, Matt, that's the end of the top five. That's the end of the show. Close us on out. I have gas coming out of my my butt now, too. (laughs) Usually, I'd suck it in my mouth talking so much. I guess I've been breathing through my other hole today. But Nick's right. It is time to put 283 to bed. Can you believe that? 283 episodes of this stupid shit is available for you to watch 
on YouTube or listen on our po- podcast platforms. And the way for you to find all that type of stuff, it's easy. StarWarsTime.net. Just go ahead and head your happy asses over there whenever you feel like it. Maybe right now after the show, while it's fresh in your memory, because you'll find our sub to podcast page. You can get get us on TuneIn, get us on Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we're on the platform. If we're not, it usually means the platform is bogus. You can also get latched into our YouTube from StarWarsTime.net. You know, if YouTube.com slash StarWarsTimeShow is too hard for you to remember, StarWarsTime.net is the answer to your gray matter woes. So don't forget that there's always time for Star Wars Time. Pay attention to our socials, mostly at StarWarsTime.show on IG. I say that because that's kind of our that's kind of our way to let everyone know what's going on. All right, we do that on YouTube. People spit at us, so a lot of our announcements will go out on Instagram or in Discord. And hey, speaking of Discord, you can also get access to that via at StarWarsTime.show on Instagram. So make sure to give us a follow over there. If you're watching the live stream right now, let's go. Let's get some likes, comments, shares, clips, tips, tits. I did put out the tit clip. See, that, that's a dangerous thing of Nick mm. being gone. I was going to use every goddamn thing that the AI told us to. And it came in handy because we didn't have a show last week. But again, that's why you use StarWarsTime.net. You never know what you're going to miss. IG, StarWarsTime.show. TikTok, Star Wars Time, let's go! StarWarsTime.net is where you're going to find all that fun stuff, though. And don't forget that there's always time for Star Wars Time. And if you listen to the Star Wars Time show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.